walks into today. That golden-haired immortal, straight out of yesterday. The mightiest of Vikings, walking the land once more, hurling thunderbolts as he goes. The great, the mighty Thor. The thunder god, the thunder god, Hi, welcome to the Book of Medora. I'm Crystal, and here with me is my co-host Cameron. Hi. This is a special bonus episode about the uh, 17th film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Thor Ragnarok, which uh, both you and I liked a lot, didn't we, Cameron? Yeah, it's a really, really good movie. What's 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 so good about it? Uh, listen, you're the one who suggested this episode. You have to take the lead here. Okay, I just wanted your thoughts on it a little bit. Well, I mean, there's a lot to like about it. It's tonally unique among the Marvel movies. I mean, a lot of people react to it as if it's kind of cribbing off the styles of Guardians of the Galaxy, but the humor is actually really far removed. Mm-hmm. A lot more wry, I think. And it carries some messages and themes that are really atypical for superhero fare, or general Hollywood fare, even. Yeah, I feel like you. it's very much... Uh... Taika Waititi has a stamp on it. It's his movie. Yeah, I would say that's definitely fair. What's the uh, mockumentary about uh, vampires that he made? What, what we, we Do, do in, in the, the Shadows. Shadows. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I watched the mockumentary What We Do in the Shadows a couple of weeks before uh, Thor Ragnarok came out. And it was rec- I sat down and watched it with Monica, and I had no idea that it was made by the same director as Thor Ragnarok. So after we got out of the theater of watching Thor, I said to Monica, huh, you know, that felt really similar. And she says, yeah, there's a reason for that. I said, oh, how about that rock guy? He felt almost like the director wrote himself in. And she says, yeah, there's a reason for that. (laughs) Yeah, Thor was real good. Yeah, what I really like about this, I see, I did not like Thor 1 very much. Mm -hmm. I did like Thor The Dark World. I see. A lot of people didn't care for that one. But overall, they were not they were not my favorite movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. But this movie makes those retroactively better by recontextualizing a lot of scenes uh, through certain revelations in this movie. Okay. Uh, what, are, what are some examples of that? Well, I thought we'd sort of go through it more linearly. Okay. So this is a full-out spoiler-ass podcast episode. Yeah, we will be spoiling every Thor movie, uh, probably some of the Avengers movies, I guess. He's in both of those. It's true. So, I guess let's start at the very beginning. Uh, Thor is in hell. Uh, Muspelheim, I think. There was an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode where a man, uh, due to the convergence, if you remember that plot point from Thor 2. Right. Uh, he was he was partially stuck in Muspelheim, and he called it hell because he said it looked like hell. Well, from a Christian perspective, it would look like hell. And he has a, he has a little uh, conversation with the skeleton about how he's been searching for the Infinity Stones, which was his quest uh, at the age at the end of the Age of Ultron. But nothing's really come up. But he did hear some rumors about some kind of prophes- prophesized Ragnarok that is due to be. Done by Searcher for mysterious reasons that I think will become a little clearer later. Yeah, it's 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 a distinct possibility that Surtur is actually the righteous party in this scenario. Yeah, he almost feels like a villain from a different movie at first. A sympathetic villain from a different movie. Yeah, 
he's like if Demise was a good guy. Or if Demise was a well-written character. <sighs> okay. We'll get to that in the Skyward Sword episode. I don't think Demise is actually the villain of Skyward Sword, but that's not the thing. Surtur makes some implication that Odin is no longer on the throne of Asgard, even though he's supposed to be, which is a reference to the twist ending of Thor The Dark World, where it's revealed that Loki has deposed Odin and is posing as him and has been for uh, the past four years. Yeah. Yeah, I remember getting to the end of Dark World and thinking, boy, they're going to have to spend a lot of time and effort uh, resolving this whole plot thread that they've set up here. Did you feel that they did not do that sufficiently? No, I thought it was handled much better than I expected. Yeah, me too, actually. I heard some people saying that, oh, they they just kind of basically dropped that from the end of the Dark World, but I thought they handled that real economically and then used that to further set up other things. It's like they could have gone in two directions. Well, we, we, we can come back to this once that plot thread is actually uh, resolved. So Thor has a big fight scene with this hammer. Mm-hmm. It's very much showing off how good he is with his hammer. Yep. And how his hammer is so very important to him and his fighting style. And really even his sense of self. Because whoever whosoever holds the hammer, if they be worthy, shall hold the power of Thor. Yep, that's true. So his identity is all tied up in it. It sure is. So he, he kills Surtur, he takes his head off, he ties it to his back, and then he asks Heimdall to uh, take him back to Asgard. But Heimdall's not there, it's someone else. It's Scourge, who's showing off his machine guns to a pair of ladies. Who's just some scumbag asshole. So this seemed like kind of a sudden change, but it kind of makes sense. Because the last time you see Heimdall in... The Dark World, he is turning himself in for treason? Is that what was happening? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Boy, Dark World had a lot of plot threads near the end of it. Yeah, well, so you might question in the Dark World, like, how come the Asgardians didn't show up to help while Thor was fighting Malekith on Earth? It's because uh, they were dealing with a bunch of shit at the time behind the scenes, like Loki deposing Odin yep. and Heimdall being in jail so he can see what was going on and tell everyone. Or yep. he could see, but he couldn't tell anyone. Yeah, it. Uh, there was a lot of uh, complicated interpersonal politics going on in the second Thor movie, for sure. But anyway, Thor shows up. He goes to Odin, and it's it's very clearly Loki. Like yep. he's not like, hiding it that much. If someone had even a little bit of hints as to what was going on, they could immediately tell. Honestly, I don't know that they need the hints. The fact that people are taken in by this suggests that they are completely guileless. To think that this person is the same guy who is the ultra-severe Anthony Hopkins chewing the scenery motherfucker <laughs> who was in the last two movies. Yeah, uh, maybe one of the only complaints I had about this movie is that the people of Asgard, for all the importance they are given, are not uh, characterized very much. Just kind of um, generic crowds. Sometimes. They're, they, they, they... There are crowds with more personality than the crowds in the last couple of movies. The only case in which the people are not given quite as much characterization as compared to the last few movies is that in the first two movies, the Warriors 3 were like a bridge between Thor and the average Asgardian. Right. And they don't really show up much in this one. Sif's not in this movie at all. She's hanging out with the agents. Honestly, given what happens in this movie, it's probably better that she's not around. Uh huh. She really lucked out there. Yeah. So Loki puts on a play with Matt Damon in it. Um, Gosh, fuck. I like to believe that's that's 
Matt Damon, the mid-guard actor. Yes, in canon. That, in canon, that's Matt Damon. Sure, why and, not? And what, what's his name? Is it Luke Hemsworth? Yeah, Luke Hemsworth. And Luke Hemsworth, the only Hemsworth who looks sort of like Thor in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> and who's Odin? Uh, God, I should know this. It's Someone not... Is. Uh, it's a famous character actor. Yeah, I feel like he's... He might have been in a previous Marvel movie, but I'm not sure. Oh, character actors are made to be forgotten. Oof. So yes, uh, Thor talks to Loki and finds out the deception. He's like, let's go find the real Odin. And uh, Loki left him in a retirement home, but then uh, Doctor Strange shows up. Uh, The retirement home is torn down. Yeah, the retirement home is torn down, and he's not there anymore. Yeah. But then... Well, there's another little thing here. Uh, some passerbys pass Thor by on the street and say, hey, they, they ask for some pictures and say, hey, sorry you broke up with Jane. Yeah. What, what do you think about the way this was tossed off? I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I'm... Because Thor and Jane did not spend a lot of time together uh, before the end of the world. Thor is not in a, rela- in a place where he can give another person what they need in a romantic relationship. And... Th- and- they even had two years together because they were together in the Age of Ultron. Yes, it's uh, it, it it's really something. Uh, it kind of implies that Jane's the one who broke up with him, even though he denies it. Like his denial acts as confirmation that that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and uh, I I think that's about as much as could have happened because he doesn't want to talk about it, and that's fine. They couldn't get Natalie Portman back for the movie, and there was no space for her character in the first place. This isn't a movie about Midgard; it's solely a movie about Asgard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm real big into the idea that after a couple actually spends some time together, not in a, a big adventure movie context, they're like, you know, maybe this isn't going to work. Maybe we're just not good for each other. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be a big, big, uh, dramatic thing. It's just, it's, you know, a mundane relationship thing. And that's fine. Yeah. So, uh, Doctor Strange shows up and he does some teleportation magic for a little while. It's a very funny scene. I kind of wish they had spent this time with Heimdall instead. Um, I don't know. I thought that this was really good for a couple of things. Um, a lot of people talk about this being a partially wasted scene, but I don't really think it is. It served two purposes. Uh, the first one is it also ties up that plot thread from the like it actually incorporates the ending scene, like the post credit scene from Doctor Strange, right? Does it? And it, it does. You know the one where they're sitting around drinking and he's talking to Thor. Isn't oh that yeah, okay, Dark? yes, that one, sure. Yeah, yeah, it was the second one, I think. But um, then it also establishes how thor exists in relation to the magical midgard element which is important because midgard just doesn't want anything to do with asgard or at least its guardians don't because asgard's full of bullshit Mm -hmm. and uh i a lot of people talk about how the first act of the movie is really messy but it's not really that messy when you realize that the whole point of it is taking loki as a built-up villain uh, this person who is almost lionized in the entire rest of the mcu canon as like this romantic vaguely tragic hero and just kicking the shit out of him yeah that's a good point actually we do need a reminder that loki is a convicted war criminal he is actually just a huge piece of shit and Uh him getting clowned on non-stop for 20 minutes straight is maybe (laughs) my favorite part of the movie by by another wizard it's like, you realize how old and badass I am at wizardry? I'm totally gonna... And then he just gets Benedict Cumberbatched out of the scene like it's nothing. It's like, okay, whatever, man. 
You go be shitty somewhere else. The guy who was comparing us to ants a couple of movies. Yes. That's the thing about Loki, right? Is that as much as people like him, he's really, really shitty. Mm-hmm. And this is a movie that treats him like a shitty person. Yeah. And I like it. So they, they find Odin. Yeah. Odin's often like, where is he? Norway. Where else would it be but Norway? I, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Do- Dr. Strange does mention that Odin escaped a while ago and they did make contact, but Odin was adamant that he was not to be disturbed. Mm-hmm. He wanted to wait until his sons found him. Uh-huh. So Odin explains that he is dying and furthermore... That Ragnarok is coming and is inevitable because his firstborn daughter, Hela, is going to escape the prison that was being sealed only by his life. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple things going on here. Yep. Odin is essentially electing to die. Is that how it is? Because I thought that like the Odin sleep was just a way for him to sort of stave off his death and he was naturally dying regardless. Yes, Electing to die through being away from Asgard, which is the source of the power of the gods, as is mentioned a couple of times later, mm-hmm. and in not doing the Odin sleep. Because right. even in the first movie, the first thing we see him do after the, the flashback is try to retire. Right. Odin is old, and he is tired, and he's been wanting to step down for a while. Okay, so that brings to mind two questions, Crystal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is... Why would Odin choose to step down and die his natural death if that means the return of his super badass daughter and the destruction of his kingdom? Because Asgard deserves it. Okay, well, we'll get into that a little bit later. The second one is, um, what did Taika Waititi do to get Anthony Hopkins to act in this scene? (laughs) God, I don't know, man. Because he'd have to have done something. This was the only movie where he doesn't fall asleep on set, and they have to write around it. He did. Re- he 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 act. It was really nice, actually. It was <laughs> nice and understated and restrained. And it was a good scene. Yeah, all of the scenes in this movie are good. Yeah, it's good. Good scene movie. He has a he has a little sit down with his sons about how this is a very nice place. Remember this place. Uh, and then he fades away into dust, much like his wife Frigga did in the previous movie. Who he is? He says he is. Uh, join in now yeah and then hella immediately comes out there's no there's no gap she has been pressing up against that barrier non-stop since she got put in there yeah it's uh i kind of imagine this is how uh ganondorf was in the wind waker just just oh. constantly punching that metaphysical wall until there was even the tiniest crack it's like almost like he's some kind. Of, I just rewatched Jurassic Park, so I can't help comparing it to the Velociraptors in their enclosure. Yeah, like the Velociraptors in their enclosure. Did, have you never seen Jurassic Park? I have seen Jurassic Park. I just oh, okay. I don't know what you mean exactly. Oh, in Jurassic Park, the Velociraptors are constantly testing the electric fencing that keeps them in. All right. And the instant it goes down, they break out. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, immediately after Hella shows up. Thor's like, hey, let's talk about this. When Hela doesn't want to talk. She's like, how about you bow down? Yeah, Hela's, Hela's not portrayed as any kind of mastermind or anything. She's just very good at killing. She's kind of um, a separate idealized version of what Thor could be. Yes. She is the supreme ass whooper, number one, who is very confident in her ability to rule and is a half-decent leader. 
if we are to put the children of Odin in the Triforce, she oh is power, and Thor, I guess, would be courage. Uh, hmm. Yeah, okay. Loki doesn't get a piece. He doesn't get to be wisdom? No, he does not. Heimdall gets to be wisdom. Yeah, sure. There, hmm. Odin had another son in the second movie who was not his son, but had the name of one of his sons in Norse mythology. Oh, God. He he was just, you know, the court of uh, the leader of one of the troops. He can be wisdom. Okay. Like so Thor throws his hammer at Hela, and Hela grabs it and shatters it into a million billion pieces. She holds it up with her hand and just squeezes it until it ceases to be. Uh-huh. What does that mean, Crystal? I, I What does that mean? Well, it must mean that she's worthy of holding the hammer. Yeah. Or else she, she's either stronger than the enchantment on it, or she is as worthy of it as Thor is. And the particular self-actualization that she has is just as valid as the one that thor has it's got i don't think you can outstrong the hammer because even the hulk couldn't and he's the strongest there is i'm not mm, 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 little 10 year old cameron's starting to get pissed off so we'll move on to another thing Mm, you're like the hulk who gets stronger as he gets angrier no i'm like the hulk who decides not to have conversations here he is the strongest there is though are you disputing that I actually do dispute that. Who's stronger than the Hulk? Well, uh, okay, are we just talking like the comics or are we talking like in the movies? Both, I guess. Because, I mean, if we're just talking about like the comics, there's a lot of things that can exert more force than the Hulk can. And even just in the movies, I think you could take somebody like... uh, There's there's a reason that they don't let Hulk fight Hela later in the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it might. And it's that Hela would Hela would kill him. Would would she? Yes, absolutely. Mm, I'm not sure how that matchup would go. I'm pretty confident. But, but we'll whole... we'll get back to it when it gets to the fight bang parts. Okay. So yeah, I have to say that that she is worthy of it. Yeah. As the firstborn child, as one of the primary people who even made Asgard what it is today. Though, does Odin mention that at this point in the movie? Uh, no, Hela will mention it a little bit later. Okay, so she breaks the hammer, and, uh... Loki freaks out and calls Heimdall. He makes a big mistake. Mm-hmm. Because, although the Bifrost is portrayed as somewhat instant, uh, previously, it's not. You have to travel through a rainbow tube for a while. And Hela gets in there, too, and she grabs Thor and Loki and just tosses them out. Yeah, that's, uh, so it's like time works differently inside the bifrost as it does compared to outside it's this was a good scene because it felt like such a violation of how you thought the bifrost worked it's like oh hell is so strong that she can just break your teleportation tube she breaks rules twice in the first five minutes she's on screen Mm -hmm. she breaks the hammer after lifting it and breaks the bifrost and everything is bad so at this point, the second act of the movie kind of splits into two different parts. There's the part with Thor and Loki and the Incredible Hulk on Sakaar. And then there's uh, Hela's, Hela and the Scourge's scenes on Asgard. Do you want to kind of take these separately? Um, yeah, I think it would make sense to take them separately and present each in the, like, uh, just take one thread chronologically and then the other thread chronologically, and, and then talk about where they dive, where they come back together. So let's start with uh, Hela then. Yeah, that's in some ways that's a much simpler uh, arc. So Hela comes to Asgard and explains that she is 
firstborn of Odin, and since Odin is dead, that makes her rightfully the queen of Asgard. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, that why? How come Odin only stopped at nine realms? We could get more realms. It's a lot of realms out there. And she's telling this to a big. Uh, well, actually, no. Even before this, she appears in the Bifrost room and just unceremoniously kills two of the warriors. Three. Yep, they're just dead. Uh, Volstag goes down. And, uh, God, what the hell is the name of the other one? Falstaff. Falstaff goes down, yeah. I don't think and, that and that's bad. I don't even remember if Volstag has a spoken line. I think he does. It's basically just, hey, who are you? And then yeah, they, Thandril does not. They eat shit so hard. I. What do you think the significance of this is to bring them back only to very quickly kill them off? It's trimming down the cast a lot because in a story where the Warriors 3 are around, you can't have a resistance uh, that doesn't revolve around Thor's best friends. But would have that been so bad? Um, yes. I think it would not work. have worked as well as what we actually got. I thought the, the resistance parts were pretty weak because Heimdall was basically the only character there. Oh, see, that's just the thing. I find Heimdall a consistently more compelling presence, not just because Idris Elba is so cool in the role, though he's super cool in the role, but in that he's also cooler than these two goobers who are like the different aspects of Thor's personality, and Mm -hmm. then also the vaguely racist caricature. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I say vaguely racist, but yeah, he's pretty racist. Mm, I, yeah, I don't know. They, I don't think they should have had a huge role, but just having a recognizable face there with Heimdall, who could, he could maybe spout a few lines to, I think would have been useful. Would you have felt better if the other two had gotten as extended a scene in their fights as Hogan got, and she took down all three of them at the same time? No, I actually kind of like how quickly they eat shit. Yeah. I don't know. I'm no, I, 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 I think that it worked better with Heimdall than without. But, you know, I just like Heimdall. He's pretty cool. But that's one of the things about this movie is that there's more than one insurrection, a popular insurrection that goes on during this movie. And they all occur off screen. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like there's resistance fighters and we hear about the battles that they have, but it's never given any screen time because that's not really the important part of the story. It's not clear to me how long Hell is on Asgard. Well, it's. I think it's supposed to be a fairly short amount of time. Like, it only came across to me like a day or two. That's how it came across to me as well, but I'm not sure if that ha- that's how it was intended. Or if it was well, supposed to be like an ongoing resistance that's been there for months or so. Um, well, that, that, that could work too, I guess. It, because time flows faster in the Hela part of the movie than it does in the Thor part of the movie, if mm-hmm. I remember. But, um, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, I see what you mean. That, that, no, I, I still think that it focusing on Heimdall is fine because the, what's going on in Asgard isn't really as important as a series of events in and of itself as the explanation for why it's happening. It's like that this is happening isn't the interesting part. Hella talking about why she's doing what she's doing. That's the part where we understand what the movie's about. So Hella explains her deal to a bunch of Asgardian soldiers and Hogan. Uh-huh. And there's a good exchange where Hogan says, whoever you are, fuck off. Which is interesting because she is actually the rightful ruler of Asgard. She's yeah. not wrong. She, yeah, she is completely 
entitled to the throne. Yeah, if if they accept that uh, the succession is valid, and they seem to accept that most of the time, they want Thor to be king, that she has rights first. Yep. And nobody even remembers the things that she did. Nobody... No, well, nobody knows, but even if they did, they would not want to think of Odin that way. Yeah, and uh, and their rejection is very concrete, and uh, and and it's not wrong because Hela's a bad person. Yeah, but she's not wrong in that it is absolutely her right under this corrupt monarchist system to sit on the throne, and they have words about it, and she kills like three hundred people in the course of five minutes. Yeah, she's she's very good at murder. Is the thing she's she's the murderist. She's the goddess of death, as it were. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting the way the Asgardians still cling to a clearly broken system, but only resist towards specific bad individuals. Well, they're comfortable in the system, right? Yes, and they see it as being um, noble because it's embodied in people that they see as being noble like thor's a good guy he does good things he goes out and he does good work even though he upholds an inherently oppressive system yep so they are in a place culturally where they can't really see that and that blindness is part of what leads to them getting murdered by the goddess of death so uh hella meets up with scourge and scourge is someone who scourge is a collaborator He's yep. just someone who doesn't want any trouble. He wants he what he explains is he wants to prove himself, and he will take the opportunity to prove himself, even if it's with Hela. He's not a hmm, he is hmm, is Scourge a bad person? He's what you would call a good little Nazi, and mm-hmm. that outside of the context of oppressive power systems, he probably wouldn't hurt anybody, right? But within the context of those oppressive power systems, he will commit atrocities like you wouldn't believe. And he doesn't actually do that very much in this movie because he's not given much chance to. But he's complicit in everything that Hela does simply because he does not show the courage that everyone else does in trying to stop her. Yes. Like as much as Hogan and Volstagg and everyone else that Hela actually fights are members of and upholders of an oppressive system, they still recognize certain forms of evil when they see it. And when she says she's going to bring Asgard back to imperialism, they say, no, we don't want that. Fuck that. And they die for it. Because in that case, fighting to stop her is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And Scourge doesn't. He's just, his weakness makes him a monster. Yes. And he's just a bystander to these things. In some cases, like he's existing parallel to a power that he can't possibly affect in any meaningful way. So being complicit makes sense from a very selfish perspective whereby he has to preserve his own life. But in preserving his own life, he's complicit in potential like beyond genocidal horror. Yes, there's there's nothing Scourge... Scourge couldn't do a whole lot, but the fact that he doesn't even try is telling of his character. Yeah, he he's a coward. Mm-hmm. His greatest sin is his cowardice. So, Hela takes Scourge through a little tour of Odin's treasure vault and explains the history of Asgard. Uh, can we point out the part where the Infinity Gauntlet that was the source 
of so much fan speculation for so long. She's just like, fake, and pushes it off screen. Kevin Feige had a line a couple years ago where he said there were two gauntlets in the universe. Uh Uh-huh. So this is a double retcon. Yeah. Because there were two gauntlets in the Ultimate Marvel Universe, so that that has precedent. Right. One of them was left-handed, one of them was right-handed, same as in these movies. Yeah. I, I just like, one of Hela's roles throughout this movie is taking assumptions about how the world works and just breaking it over her knee. And I like that she extends that outward to things that the fan assume about the universe itself instead of just the societies within it. Yeah, the the gauntlet is fake. The casket of ancient winters is weak. Uh, The Tesseract's not bad. Yeah, she's like, ooh. But the real good stuff is the eternal flame and the undead army that lies buried beneath the th- the throne room, which was used to conquer the nine realms. Though they weren't undead at the time, were they? They they were they're just dead now. Yeah, they're just dead now. And Hela can raise them. She's the goddess of death. But at the time, they they were living as guardians. Though she can only raise them if she has the flame undying. Yeah, which is fine. So she uses the flame undying to bring back an army of conqueror as guardians from an age long past. Hey, let's talk about this reveal that as okay. that Odin was a conqueror. Yeah. Oh, I, I like the bit where she knocks down the oh hell. Uh that's not exactly it's not a mosaic. What's the word for paintings on the ceiling? A f- it's not a fresco. Damn it. Well, there's some kind of art word what for what that is. But uh I really like the shot of her holding Mjolnir aloft. Mm-hmm. Because that speaks to the true origin of the hammer, and that's good. Because even that hammer, God, yep, yep, and outlining who is worthy and who is not to wield the power of a conqueror is itself a tool of horror and oppression. And Th- Odin tried to redefine what the hammer meant, but there, it was too poison. Well, I mean, it could still recognize its original master and its original purpose. Yeah, yeah. At least insofar as that stuff goes, you're not wrong. It's like you're unable to separate the thing itself from what it once did, even if it's been used to better purpose since then. Yeah, that's a theme that will repeat throughout this movie. Also, yeah. a ceiling painting is a fresco. I was right. Okay, it's a fresco. There you go. Good job, Crystal. This reveal contextualizes a lot of scenes from the previous movies. Yes. Such, such as? Well, one... When Thor is a young child and a young man, and he talks about wanting to be a great warrior king who will fight back the evil Jotuns. Yep. And uh, and Owen's like, hey, a great king never seeks out war, but must always be ready for it. And he punishes Thor for attacking the Jotuns unwarrantedly because he's trying to prevent his son, from, he's trying to prevent his boy from turning out just like him. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the most... This is You are right in that this movie is interesting because it takes the entire rest of the series and humanizes Odin enormously. Mm-hmm. Because he is, he is so bloodstained that him trying to make his sons into people who are different from him has a lot more weight to it. And you think about when Odin goes to Jotunheim and he's like, hey... What Thor did is the act of a child. Do not do not believe he speaks for me. Let's just end this now and have peace. And Laufey, the leader of the Jotuns, looks at him with utter disdain. And that's given so much more context now. Yeah. Because these did. are not even 
the descendants of the descendants of the descendants of the people who originally fought. These are the same guys. Yeah, people in in this mythology live for a long time. Uh-huh. Laufey and Surtur are very similar in this respect. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's I it's also Odin getting sort of mealy mouthed in that sequence. That w- that was in Thor two, right? Or is that Thor one? There's sequences like that in both. No, I mean this particular one with Laufey. That was Thor one. Okay, so that that particular sequence almost has Odin getting sort of mealy mouthed and saying that everything that he did was also the actions of a child. Does he? I mean, isn't that basically what he's saying when he says that Thor's aggression was the act of a child? Yeah. Which would mean that Odin's own aggression was something in the past that does not reflect who he is. And that because it is the act of a child, he is blameless for it as a man. Mm, Okay, I see where you're going. He's trying to, I guess, avoid responsibility. It's not even avoiding responsibility. It's saying that, yes, this thing happened, but, well... It happened so long ago when I was so different that how can one hold a grudge over it? Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, it's just kind of like the big part of this movie in Microcosm. It also gives huh. a different context to his adoption of uh, of Loki. Oh my god, it totally fucking does. Yeah, because in the first movie he said his intent was to try to broker peace between the two races by having a Jotun in the royal family. Loki's a hostage. Yes. Loki's just a fucking hostage. But now it is also easier to imagine Odin feeling some degree of genuine pity for how many Jotun children he must have killed. Or consigned to death. Yeah, yes. he's uh, his relationship with Loki undoubtedly evolved over time. But uh, yeah, it really recontextualizes pretty much everything about his character. This whole thing. Mm. You know, I should go back and rewatch the Thor movies to see how differently they taste knowing what I know now. There's also a part in thor 2 after frigga's death where odin gets a lot more um like aggressive his his personality kind of changes a little bit huh and now it's easy to read that as him reverting a bit back to his previous self i see so the idea is that the passage of time and love can change a man but only so much yeah mm, I wonder what Frigga's role was in all this, because she is not named as the mother of Hela. No. In fact, I think it's sort of... Im- uh, I would have to rewatch the second movie, because she isn't as big a character in the first one, I don't think? No, she wasn't. No. And, uh, I don't know. I Like, the gentlest reading we could give Frigga is that she was probably born later, and that she's probably younger than Hela is. Really? I mean, why not? Like, there's nothing stopping them. Odin's Odin, according to Thor in the beginning of the movie, the conquest of Muspelheim was something like half a million years ago. Mm, I think that was an exaggeration on Thor's part because the flashback in Thor the Dark World starring Odin's father, Bor, was only 5,000 years. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. The point is, they live for a long time. Mm-hmm. Frigga doesn't have to have been born within any particular context or any particular time frame. Do you remember if there's any wife figure in the fresco i do not mm, that's something we'll have to look at when yeah. the ultra hd blu-ray comes. um yeah this it, and like you think about the avengers loki's just living up to his father by conquering earth that's not wrong though he has no idea that odin did these things mm-hmm. so it's more like he's becoming his father by accident which yeah. also places it into a very different context when he sees himself as being so separate from odin yeah 
It's like, ah, oh, I was never enough like you. And it's like, hmm, 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 hmm. No, I don't you, know. You were, you were his son. Yeah, definitely his son. Um, and you also start to get the an idea as to why Surtur might want to destroy Asgard. Yes. That maybe it's some kind of divine retribution. Yes. Surtur, as a wronged party, a sovereign of his own people, a sovereign of a conquered people, has a very, very dire grudge against the Asgardian. A valid one. His wounds are old and deep. Mm -hmm. And his whole realm is like shit. And a big part of that is probably down to what Asgard did. Uh a lot of realms of Yggdrasil kind of suck. They're not great. Like, okay, Asgard's okay. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Midgard's okay, I guess. Yep. Jotunheim, not doing great. No. Svartalfheim, not doing great. Nope. Uh, Vanaheim's okay. Uh, Musfelheim, not doing great. No, it's pretty bad, actually. We have not seen Alfheim or uh, Dwarfheim. Yeah, Alfheim, uh, at least in the comics, is like this really nice place. But, I don't know. We'll see. We probably won't see. Uh, is the Ninth Realm Niflheim? Um, yes? I'm gonna go with yes. I'm gonna go with I don't fucking know. Mm. In the flashback with Helen the Valkyries, is that Niflheim? Is that where she was trapped the whole time? If so, also, not a great realm. No, it's a... If you get the devil... It's like throwing Ganondorf into the Twilight Realm. You just fucked that place over real bad. Yep. That's exa- that's that's a good that's another good parallel. We're bringing this back in. It's back to being a Book of Modora episode. So what? That's fully four out of nine realms which are not doing great. Yeah, and who knows? The ones that are doing okay could be doing better if it weren't for all the conquests. Yeah, there's. Hmm. So Thor has a line early in the movie when he when he talks about how oh. Asgard has been uh, neglecting its duty as a protector, and the realms have fallen into chaos. And Loki has a line like, oh, well, you know, I respect their right to self-determination. And Thor's like, their right to be slaughtered? And hmm. he, the way the movies portray it, he is right. Anytime Asgard is gone for, like, a second, the other realms get invaded. Earth got invaded. Yeah. You can bet Thanos was cooking up lots of plans to how to deal with the Asgardians. Then when he saw the Bifrost, he was destroyed. He's like, okay, let's go, 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 go now. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, I think one of the implications here is that in destroying so much of what the realms had to protect themselves with, Asgard also made them much more vulnerable, yep. making it necessary for them to act as overseers. Which then further justifies their position. Yes. Yep. It's easy to be a benevolent king when you have to protect the people who you made it impossible for them to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anaheim yeah. gets immediately invaded. We don't see the other two realms at all. It's not. It's just not great. Nobody goes to Muspelheim, because Muspelheim hasn't got a lot to offer anymore. I wonder if Muspelheim had a lot of gold. Maybe? Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Does gold exist in hot places? I don't know about minerals. Uh, I'm going to go with yes. Okay. So where do we leave off? Hela takes over Asgard, and she tries to take the sword of the Bifrost, but it's gone. Heimdall stole it. I mean, it's steal it. It's his. Yep. But he took it, and he's, he's leading the resistance of people. Yep. Uh, go on. No, no. I was just thinking, I, I, do, I just really love that scene. Where they go in to get the sword, and she sees that it's gone. She's just like, <laughs> Kate Blanchett is so good in this movie. Yes, because it's <laughs> like, not like she'll she'll get that sword. Yeah, she's just annoyed that she has to do some extra murder. 
she's never more than annoyed with things because she's immortal and she can kill anyone and all she wants to do is kill people so her goals are eventually going to be accomplished yep and then what happened is there anything happening on asgard before thor gets back after we have scenes with heimdall leading people into the temple I mean, you covered all the important stuff. Hela slaughters everyone. Uh, Heimdall makes it impossible for her to leave Asgard. Um, She brings back an army of the undead and uses that to begin rounding up the people of Asgard. Uh, Scourge is complicit in a lot of bullshit and is about to cut the head off an innocent person. And everything's bad. And we learn that Asgard is a place um, with blood as its mortar. Yes. Is it weird that there aren't more collaborators in Asgard? Um, no. No, I think one of the ideas here is that it doesn't take a ton of collaborators to empower evil. Mm-hmm. And people, sometimes conquerors, have a lot of power to start with. And yes. I think that one of the intents behind this movie is to say that even though they live according to and afforded, and in a way afforded by an extreme form of privilege that as guardians themselves are not bad as individuals, they're just benefactors of a bad system. I would have thought there would have been more people. There's like, hey, give her, give her a hundred days. Oh, I see. No, that's that. Would, mm, no, let's not do that. I'm glad they didn't do that one. Um, I mean, the first thing she does is show up and start murdering people who are like, who are you? That's true. That's a bad first impression. Yeah, it's not a good first impression. She like. Asgardian, that uh, army that she killed, I'm sure that they all had families, and she set the tone very poorly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, hell is is the muscle. She's not good at diplomacy like Odin. Yeah. So let's let's get back to Thor, the protagonist Mm -hmm. of this film. Uh, Nominally. He he, uh, lands on a big pile of garbage. Yep. And uh, he stands up, and he sees some alien people, and he's like, hey, what's up? And they, uh, they shoot him. With this shotgun. Yep. Or does this not happen? No, Valkyrie shows up on her ship, and she's very drunk, and she's like, hey, this guy's mine. And she uh-huh. shoots him with the electric net gun. No, the, it's the people who first show up, show up that shoot him with the electric net gun. They're okay. like, are, are you a fighter, or are you meat? <laughs> and he's like, what? And they're like, I guess it's meat. And then he has to beat up a few of them, and then they shoot him with an electric net gun. Okay, yes, you're correct. Uh, and so that the, the violence in this movie is so extreme compared to every other MCU film. Because when Thor punches a guy, he flies like half a mile and crashes like way in the background. Yeah, Thor's strong. It's goofy how violent this movie is, and it's goofy. It's violent in a very goofy way. It is. It's a goofy film. Yeah. It's the violence is all very PG thirteen. I'd say. Yeah. But I mean, like, you look at scenes that, like Captain America: The Winter Soldier, where he throws a knife in the man's hand to pin him to the wall. Yeah, that doesn't happen. It's a very uh, different uh, aesthetic of violence. So Thor is taken by Valkyrie Scrapper One Four Two. She is called. Yep. She never actually gets a name. No, she doesn't. We don't know her name. I get the sense that she sees her title as more important than her name. Um, yeah. It's almost like she's ashamed of her past and the things that are attached to her name. Um, so Thor's taken to meet the Grand Master, who's, who's Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. And Loki's there, too. He arrived a couple weeks ago because time is weird on this planet. And on this planet where there's a bunch of wormholes in the sky, 
because it's the dumping grounds of all the wormholes in the universe. It's a planet-sized pile of garbage. Uh Uh-huh. It's an interesting bit here, too, because Anthony Hopkins acted really hard for the scenes that he's in, but Goldblum's just being Goldblum. Well, you know... Like, they could have just... The only way they could have made that particular sequence more effective is if they said, and this is the Grand Master, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, I wish they just called him Jeff Goldblum. Like... Are you going to hire Goldblum and then tell him to not do the Goldblum thing? No, you can't. It's impossible. Yeah. He would look at you and say, what does that mean? Yeah, he's going to he's gonna do the character he does, which is him. Yeah, which is basically... Do you think that's how he is in real life? Uh, well, you know, we all wear masks. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, yeah. Anyway, he, he's, doing his, he's doing his thing as hard as he can, and he has an assistant who is secretly the best character in the movie. Topaz, I believe her name is. Topaz is the greatest. She is constantly trying to torture people and execute people. Or get him to do it. Yeah, and Jeff Goldblum's like, hold on, all he did was interrupt me. That's not an executable offense. Jeez, you have to go right to the melting staff. <laughs> and the, she hates him more than she hates everyone else. But the only way she can act on that is getting him to do bad shit to other people. She's the best. <laughs> I love her. She's so mean for no reason. So Thor wants to escape this place and get back to Asgard, but he can't because he's a gladiator slave. Yeah. And the only way to escape is to defeat the champion. Yes. And uh, it's apparently very hard to beat the champion. Mm-hmm. People die fighting the champion, which I think is the first time they've ever confirmed that the Hulk actually kills people in these movies. Oh, he's definitely killed people before. Oh, has he? I mean, I don't think those soldiers in the Incredible Hulk 2008 movie lived. They were thrown 300 million feet. <laughs> you don't know. They could be using Thor uh, Thor physics. But that, that does remind me of that scene. Remember when the guy gets the Captain America formula injected mm-hmm. into him? Yep. And then Hulk just kicks him in the chest? Uh-huh. And he clearly did that with intent to kill. Yep. And it was just, that's still the best shot in the whole movie, I think. Oh no, wait, I spoiled the fact that the champion is the Hulk. Yeah, it's the, it's the Incredible Hulk. Damn Man, it. if they had managed to keep that a secret, that would have been incredible. Yeah, there's no fucking way, though. Yeah, so Thor meets kind of the leader of the gladiators, Korg, who's a big rock man, a Cronin. Uh, he's, base, he, he's he's a big rock man who has a voice that's not quite what you would expect to come out of a big rock yeah, man. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of a high peach, high-pitched voice with a Kiwi accent. Yeah, and he makes a lot of, uh, he makes a, he's got some real interesting speech patterns compared to everyone else in the movie. It's this pile of rocks that's sitting at you. I'm actually a thing. I'm, I'm a person. Yeah. You don't have to be afraid of me unless you're made of scissors. <laughs> that's like, what the fuck? There's also a subtle joke where Korg was defeated by not having enough pamphlets, so he's defeated by paper. Of course. That's fucked up. Yeah, one of the things that I really like about Korg is that all of his dialogue, it fits more or less within the context of the movie because this movie brings a lot of very different characters with a lot of very different cultural perspectives together. So he's not that far outside of the gradient, but... The jokes that he makes over the course of the movie, just scene to scene, is the kind of bullshit jokes that a friend of mine and I would make when talking about uh, how goofy a scene is. Mm-hmm. There there are a couple scenes where he basically just explains a couple of the themes of the movie, but he gets yep. away with it. He super, he gets, super gets away with it, one, because he's the director, and two, because he's funny when he does it, and three, because some people still don't actually pick up on the themes of the movie. Yeah, you, have to ha- you have to hammer in... 
how important Mjolnir was to Thor. That yeah. losing it was almost like losing a loved one. Yeah. That, that's, I, I like how when he talks about that, Thor's like, oh, thank you for framing it that way. It's it's nice to know that you were listening. <laughs> and it's like, Thor's also a really interesting character in this sequence. Because as much as people talk about ways in which his characterization has changed, I think this movie is by far the best one at showing the ways that he's grown. Yep. Not only, like, in terms of how he sees the world, but the way that he deals with loss, the way that he deals with his family, um, the fact that he can have high-level interdimensional physics conversations using standardized terminology that scientists understand when he talks about it, which implies that he wasn't just goofing around when he was dating Jane. Yeah, he's, he's not a meathead. He's not a meathead. He's actually a... A sensitive, thoughtful guy in this movie, and that's something that you never really get too much from yeah. Thor and the rest of the MCU. He even does clever tricks in this movie, like Hercules does. Yeah, he's he's he, he's half trickster almost. He's still a big goofus, but he's just smarter than you first take him for. Yeah, there was uh, an implication in the Dark World that Loki is very much uh, Frigga's son. That she she kind of uh, paid more attention to him because Odin sort of neglected him. Mm-hmm. But then you also see here like, oh yeah, Frigga also rubbed off on Thor quite a lot. But it, it, he's such a good character in this movie, and I'm so happy that they did him the way they did. He's he's good. I like Thor. Yeah, good boy. Uh, during this whole thing, when uh, Korg is talking to him about the loss of Mjolnir, and by the way, I just want to mention that I'm really glad they didn't revisit the meow meow joke again. Oh, well, you know, I, I liked I liked Cat Dennings in the second movie. Cat Dennings is fine. I like her character. I just don't like the meow meow joke. You don't like the meow meow joke? No, I don't like the meow meow joke. I mean, I I know that's not exactly popular. People love that meow meow joke, but I I was never much for it. It's like the first time it's okay. Then it comes back over and over and I'm like, ah, I can't even tell if you're fucking with me. Uh, Did you like the part in the first movie where Thor broke the cup in the diner and she said, ah, this is going on Facebook. Just she's just a regular millennial like you and me. Oh yeah, because that's what millennials do. They put shit on Facebook. Oh yeah, that's not what our parents do. In 2011, it was Snapchat. Yeah, God, that's some shit. Yeah, I liked Kat Dennings' character. It was fine, but... Wait, what were we talking about? We were talking about Thor. I know Thor just met Korg. Oh, yeah, we just met Korg. And uh, that, 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 there was the recurring joke that I found funny, was talking about the last person who fought the champion, Doug. <laughs> Doug is a good joke. Yeah, just because his gives name a big is Doug. speech like, hey, I'm I'm the god of thunder. I can do anything, Mr. Pullman. I can defeat him because I'm very strong. And Korg says, that's, that's what Doug used to say before he died. <laughs> Fighting the champion. Good old Doug. And see you later, new Doug. <laughs> he calls him new Doug more than once. Also, Thor gets his hair cut off by Stan Lee. He does. And that's like one of the better jokes about Stan Lee in these movies. Because he just goes, uh, yeah, I'm very old and I shouldn't be trusted with scissors. Let's go. I um, I get nervous every time Stan Lee shows up now because I wonder if it's going to be his last one. You know what? That's... Uh, it's fun that he keeps reappearing in these movies, sort of, but after a certain point, I think that he's the element of the MCU that takes me out of it the most. Really? Yeah, I think so. Even when they canonized him in Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Oh, that's right. He was just Stan Lee in that one, wasn't he? Yeah, he he was hanging out with the Watchers. That's right. And the Watchers were like, who is this old man? 
Yeah, but he it, it, there was the imp- he referenced previous appearances, suggesting that it's all the same guy. You know, if you watch uh, that scene, and there's a particular corner of it where you can just see the shadow of Jack Kirby looming over all the proceedings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Korg is good, and I like the Doug joke. And uh, one of the best things about this movie is that Thor is a person with dignity, but he's not allowed to have too much dignity for too many concurrent scenes. You, you get a little bit of that uh, big trouble in Little Chinatown DNA. Is that kind of clown on the on the hero? Yeah, it's like not as much because Thor is still the hero. He's not as bad as Jack Burton. He does a lot of squealing in this movie. In fairness, mm-hmm. he does it. It's like, uh, I think that may have rankled a few people that he he legitimately freaks out at really freaky stuff. And this movie also, I think, leveraged the Disney licenses harder than any post-Disney uh, MCU film. Just for the sequence that was a parody of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, yes. Is that a Disney movie? I don't know. I assumed so. Possibly. No, we should find out. Let's talk about the plan of Sakaar a little bit. Okay. Now that you referenced the Willy Wonka scene where they explain the history of Sakaar. Oh, God. That is a dumping ground for all the wormholes of the universe. And the Grand Master was the first to be dumped here. And he built a little civilization where he was the raccoon king of the trash pile. Yep. Uh, who, who's who's the Grand Master? Grand Master is Jeff Goldblum. Uh, Willy just... Wonka in the Chocolate Factory was a Paramount Pictures. Damn it. Well, it was a damn what's good his, parody. What's his, what's his deal, though? His deal is that he's a big piece of shit who has entrenched himself uh through years of mercantilism and uh mercenary forces and he basically uses gladiatorial games to distract the people that he rules over and that's his whole character is he a cousin to the collector uh they do they are very similar characters in a way aren't they yes are they cousins in the comics? Yep, they're both Celestials in the comics. Oh, I don't know if Celestials are a thing in this movie. And wait, Celestials. What sort of Celestial do you mean? Because uh, uh, there's... Of... No, there weren't Celestials. No, that was You mean wrong. Eternals? Eternals. Elders of the Universe? It's... I thought the Eternals were the guys on Titan. Uh, no, it's the Elders of the Universe. Oh, okay. The Elders of the Universe. Was that a Jim Sterling thing? Wait, who am I thinking of? Uh, created by Stan Lee, Don Heck, Jim Shooter, Bill Manitou, and David Wenzel. I don't recognize most yeah, of them. Yeah, there's people. all sorts of them. There's the Collector, the Grandmaster, the Astronomer, the Contemplator, etc., etc. Okay, been around, so this... uh, they're all the last survivors of extinct races. So they're particular relics of a very bullshit era of Marvel Comics uh, cosmic setting. Uh huh. Yeah. They're not outright cosmic entities in the way a celestial is, but right. they're very old. They have a lot of knowledge and they live forever. Well, yeah, that sounds about right. He does mention it in this uh, the collector, uh, the Grandmaster does mention that if he existed outside of Sakaar, he would probably be billions of years old by now. But I, I never got the time stuff. It didn't, it didn't, I didn't grok it. Uh, it's not consistent, and the movie is pretty explicit about how it's not consistent. Is he implying that he would be dead if he left Sakaar? I guess. Well, not if he... It's not like time would just catch up with him. He's saying that according to the flow of time out... He's been here 
for billions of years from the perspective of someone outside of Sakaar. Okay, but hmm, Thor, hmm, but Thor can contact Heimdall from Sakaar, and not that much time has passed out there. Uh, that's true. You're not wrong. And, uh, yeah, it's just not consistent. That's all I've got. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. So Thor, Thor has to fight the champion, but guess who it is? It's the Incredible Hulk. It's the Incredible Hulk, and Thor's really happy to see the Hulk. Yeah, Hulk, uh, is not immediately... He does not immediately show his enthusiasm, because he's got a show to put on for the fans. Yeah, he he's really... He's in a good place. Hulk likes where he be. Mm, well, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay. So they have a fight, and Thor doesn't the, really want to fight him. He's like, "We should really leave." Yeah, but they got a show to put on. The show must go on. And Hulk is like, "I'm going to hit you now." Loki, who has ingratiated himself with the Collector, kind of his buddy now. They've definitely fucked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. He's very nervous to see the Incredible Hulk here. Yes, but then he's very happy when the Incredible Hulk beats up Thor. He does the that droopy style, smash him all over the place move. Uh huh. And Loki's like, yes, I recognize that. It's a good it's a good reaction. Yeah, it's a good reference to the whole thing. But then Thor turns the tide when he accesses the Thor Force. It's like Hulk hits him so hard, he momentarily slips into a coma and <laughs> has a death vision of his father. And his father's like, listen, you don't, you, you're the god of thunder, come on. And then when Thor wakes up, he can shoot lightning. Uh-huh. It's, mm, so let's talk about this a bit. Okay. The very first time we see uh, tingly sparks from his fingers is very shortly after uh, Odin's death. So my interpretation of this was whatever Odin force remained from Odin just transferred to Thor and became the Thor force. Oh, see, I actually read it a little bit differently in that Hela gets the Odin force. Oh. She grows stronger the longer she is in Asgard. And for her, as for with Odin... Asgard is a place. Asgard is the fruit of conquest. And the more she conquers, the stronger she will become. But her power is the same as her father's. Oh, okay. Thor's is different. Thor's comes from something else. A realization of the way things have to be and who he has to be. His power comes from being his own person. If you call it the Thor Force, and that's a good name, it is separate to me from the Odin Force. Okay, I like this interpretation more. Well, I'm glad I can offer cool ideas. But uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's something that I like, is that just the fact that Hulk punches him so hard he has a near-death experience. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. So, and then they fight. Go on. And then they fight, mm-hmm. and uh, it turns out that Thor, with access to his lightning powers, is more than Hulk can handle, and he just beats the living dog shit out of Hulk for now- like... Now, let me explain to you why Hulk is oh. the strongest there is, but still oh, is boy. this fight. Okay. Hulk's strength comes from his anger. The angrier okay. he gets, the stronger he gets. Uh-huh. Now, he's not going to get too angry at his old buddy Thor. He doesn't want to kill him. Uh... Like, he, he punches Thor, but he knows Thor can take it. Uh-huh. So, if they really fought to the death, and if Hulk did not like Thor, he could destroy the Thor force with a punch. <laughs> So, so Hulk is the strongest one there is, mm-hmm. except in contexts in which he is explicitly not the strongest one there is. Yes, because you th- you think back to Age of Ultron in the Hulk Buster fight, uh-huh. 
Tony was only able to knock out the Hulk while he was distracted by looking at all the destruction he had caused, and his anger faded. Well, I mean, even up to before that point, Tony had been giving him the what for. But, I mean, like, one of the running jokes about this sequence that comes up later is that Thor just completely walks all over Hulk once he has access to his lightning powers. There's no contest between them. Thor is a better fighter, and his magic lightning is something that Hulk doesn't really have defenses against. Like, if it comes down to the two of them just swinging at each other, Hulk will never hit Thor. But he's the strongest. It, it doesn't matter if he's so strong if Thor can still hit him and he can't hit Thor. He can jump good and hit him. Doesn't he get jump good and then get hit by lightning? Yeah. And then at the end of it, when Hulk is getting ready to jump good again, he gets zapped with the uh, neck thing that Thor has on his neck, and Thor is paralyzed, and then he gets punched real good. Yeah, how come that neck thing is stronger than the Thor force? It's just goofy. It's a uh, contrivance for humor's sake. Okay. Maybe if it's a surprise, then it can bypass the Thor force. <laughs> One of the things that I always wondered in this movie was, why doesn't Thor just zap it with lightning? Well, he'd zap his neck with lightning, too. So, the, he zaps himself with lightning all through this movie. He surges with electricity every time he gets all his dander up. Yeah, but that's not the same. Why not? Because I said so. Oh. oh. Well, I haven't got a good uh, rejoinder to that one, I gotta admit. Okay, so Thor Thor is defeated. Thor the Mighty God of Thunder is defeated by a little neck thing. Yep. A little electrical neck thing. The God of Thunder is defeated yep. by it. Yep. Uh, And he wakes up in Hulk's room. Yep. And, uh, he's naked. Yeah, he sees Hulk's big wiener and butt. Uh, Hulk has got just this explosive ass in this movie. He's got, he, that boy's got a good butt. Uh, it, it, Hulk definitely does not skip squat day. No. And Hulk's characterization throughout the scene is interesting. Because yes. he, he is a celebrity on Sakaar, yes, as opposed to being hated and feared on Earth. But that doesn't mean he has friends. He seems to have one friend. Yeah, he has one friend in Valkyrie, but, you know, that's only one friend. Well, so when he sees Thor, it's like, oh, I get a new friend. Except, really, it's an old friend who knew me even before I was celebrity. So he's a real friend. I don't know. He seems to be on better terms with Valkyrie than with Thor, to be honest. That's true. Valkyrie is a better he has a He has a grudge against Thor. Somewhat, but he's still... When Thor tries to leave, Hulk seems really genuinely hurt. Granted. He wants Thor to stick around. He does. He wants He wants Hulk. to be friends with Thor. Yes. And in spite of the fact that Hulk in this movie is this huge powerhouse who, like, we didn't talk much about him coming out of the bathtub, but the prior part of that is us seeing Chris Hemsworth walk around mostly naked, and it's like, ooh, Chris Hemsworth naked, and then... Hulk gets out of the bathtub and he's just like Chris Hemsworth squared, where it's gone past being like super hot into being like, oh, he's just enormous and kind of terrifying. Yep. And I think that echoing is definitely on purpose. But uh, in spite of the fact that he's this Goliath, he is also effectively a big three-year-old. Yes. This is the first time he's been Hulk for an extended period. Two whole and years, even. It's like he's been developing him mentally and emotionally during that entire time mm -hmm. and that's interesting and he's still he's not he although he likes thor he's not good at showing his emotions yeah he kind of he kind of throws tantrums much as a toddler would i think that arguably the best scene in this entire movie is when thor like 
the fact Thor having a screaming match with this giant three-year-old is pretty good by itself. But when Thor goes to apologize and Hulk just turns away and goes, uh-uh, <laughs> no. It's so good. It's so good. That's like, that's the best dialogue in the whole movie. Just, it was the most believable single moment because I've had, uh, all of us deal with kids in our life at different times. And I was an assistant to a pre-K class. And when some of the kids got mad at you, that is what would happen. <laughs> It's like, that shit was too real, too fast. God, I love the Hulk. Everyone calls you the stupid adventure. Hulk doesn't like that. Hulk doesn't like that word. Ugh. Anyway, carry on. Uh, Take us through this. So Thor's hanging out in his room. He notices that Hulk is friends with the Valkyrie. So he invites the Valkyrie over so he can trick her into getting the thing that will break the neck thing. Yes. Amongst other things. All, because he does also having a conversation about how Asgard is under attack and i know you're a valkyrie i can recognize you because you got the tattoo so come back and help me take it she doesn't want that that particular bit might actually be from an earlier scene where he recognizes her as a valkyrie yes you're right they do have a scene earlier he mentions that when he was a kid he actually wanted to be a valkyrie and it was only much later that he found out he wouldn't be allowed because all valkyrie are I like having a boy looking up to women. Well, that's because Valkyries were the biggest badasses that there were, period. Yep. So who the hell else is he going to look up to? Odin? He's just some doddering old guy. Yeah. Uh, is the implication that the Valkyries were mostly wiped out during the fight against Hela? I think the implication is that the Valkyrie we see in this movie may well be the very last one. So then, by the time Thor is born, they're already, like, something of legend. Um, Yes. I guess, yeah. So not I, only I, could he not be a Valkyrie because he's a boy, but they, they're not around. They're not a thing anymore. Yeah. So it's just like stories. Kids who want to grow up to be knights or whatever the hell. That was Thor. Yes. Except he wanted to be a Valkyrie. Yeah, so it's just the dynamic pretty... where Valkyrie is way, 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 way older than Thor. And she's this yeah. great hero from the ancient past. Yes. Is she old enough to have fought alongside Odin and Hela? Or do you think she came in like the age after the fresco would probably tell us if we had a way to look at it. I, well, she fought against Hela, so I'm not sure how long that whole thing went. I definitely got the implication that she came of age around the time that Odin was stopped his conquering. Yeah, goddamn Odin. But she was still aware of it. Right. It was before they wiped the books. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, they have a conversation where the Valkyrie doesn't want to help Asgard. Fuck Asgard. It's a golden sham. Yeah, I guess so. That is basically what she says. But then Thor uh, throws a ball at the window, expecting it to break, but it doesn't. It bounces back and hits him in the head. It's very funny. It just knocks his shit right off. And uh, he gets tries to get the Hulk to join his little team too, but Hulk says no team, only Hulk. So while Hulk yes, wants to Hulk. be with Thor, he does not want to leave Sakaar. Sakaar is still good for him. Yeah, he likes having people cheer for him. It makes him feel good. Mm-hmm. He's never had that before. Yeah, people are afraid of him on Earth, but here he's loved. And when Thor brings up, it's like, people on Earth actually love you a lot in spite of everything. I mean, do they? Some people do. There's that one kid. People love the big green guy. What are you talking about? Um, yeah, but the government Not the Hulk. Like him. Not the Hulk. The big green guy. Oh, okay. I see what you're doing. Yeah, see, and it's established that, at least on the street level, people actually really like the Hulk, because he's big and he's green and he punches monsters. Well, he punches monsters that one time, but other times he's going on rampages in cities. What about that one time in that university? 
I don't think anyone remembers that. Wasn't that covered up by the military? No, there were students taking YouTube videos of it. Isn't uh, the Incredible Hulk treating Ang Lee's Hulk as being like soft cannon? No. It, oh, that's still my favorite Hulk movie. Yeah. It, no, they wouldn't really be compatible at all. Actually, no, come to think of it, this is my favorite Hulk movie now, but Lee's version of the Hulk is still my favorite standalone Hulk. Yeah, movie. Lee's version of the Hulk is good. I didn't like the heart rate thing in Incredible. I'm glad we agree on that. Um, so Thor jumps out of the window, and he, he goes to the Quinjet that Hulk pointed out for him. Because at the end of the Age of Ultron, Hulk uh, ran away in a Quinjet, and I guess he went into space and fell into a wormhole. Yep. But then Hulk chases after him because he doesn't want Thor to leave. Yeah, this is kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, and then, but then uh, Thor plays a video of the Black Widow, and that calms Hulk down. Yeah, that it's weird the way that that works out. Uh huh. The whole thing is because it's like I have a really I have a lot of complicated feelings about Black Widow in each of these movies. Mm-hmm. I think the Russo brothers treat her a lot better than uh, what the hell is his name? Wedden. Yeah, Wedden, Joss Wedden. I think that they treat him a lot better than Wedden does. Yeah, treat her a lot better than Wedden does. Agreed. And it's like the, the stuff with uh, it veered too hard into like King Kong territory for me in Age of Ultron. It feels like this movie was making fun of that stuff with the constant references to the sun's going down, big guy. <laughs> Boy, did it ever! <laughs> like uh, when we get to the end of this scene. And uh, the video of Black Widow gets Hulk to revert back to Bruce Banner for the first time in two years. And Bruce, appropriately, has a huge freakout and the biggest existential crisis of his life. Yes. And, uh, like, he's also a bit of a piece of shit in this movie. What do you say that? Uh, just the... One of the things about this movie is the way in which... It's very clear that there are two different modes in which people exist in this movie morally there are people who are willing to sacrifice themselves for the greater good and there are people who want to protect themselves to hold on to the privilege that they've managed to scrounge together even if it's in the middle of a corrupt system bruce banner falls really hard into the well not quite into the latter because he sees himself as separate from the hulk but that he's not willing to take certain risks because he's afraid of being something else something that he doesn't see as being as positive in and of himself that he's willing to let entire civilizations die is i think it doesn't speak well of him. also he uses a slur for romani people and that took me out of the movie for a oh, second yes that this happens still yeah, yeah that, i was like what, what the fuck <laughs> yeah it's they just like wait Man why did he well. is, did that happen in ant-man yeah i was like why did he do that one, what, one, of, one of his ethnic friends says that when he turns small oh okay well it's like why did why did hulk do that why did I, Banner do that? I don't know. One of the things about this movie is that it seems like it's ad-libbed all to shit. Oh, definitely. For sure. Like, there's some sequences. I, I mentioned this once before where you can tell that some of the other actors are trying really hard not to laugh at the things that are being said. Yes. Particularly Jeff Goldblum in that one scene where Topaz, uh, instead of saying <laughs> slaves, she says prisoners with jobs. Yes, that's that's a very good scene. It's, it's okay to have slaves if you dress it up properly. Yeah, that's it's like there's so many levels on which that scene fucking works. But one of the best levels is that Goldblum's just losing it. The like <laughs> he, he has to stop himself, and it works in character because the Grandmaster's the kind of person who would laugh at that. 
<laughs> but oh, that's so good. I think you're being a bit harsh on Banner. That's fair. Uh, like he, like he, he, he doesn't deliberate that hard before deciding to save the day. But you know, give him a give him a second to think about it. He is potentially giving up his whole life. It is true that he is someone coming out of the other side of a really severe trauma. Mm-hmm. And I'm letting the slur that he used color the way that I joke about his characterization in this movie. But I also feel like him prioritizing his own safety about people that he doesn't care about because he's never met them. I can't help comparing him to Scourge. He has so little time to process anything that's happening to him in this movie. He never really gets a, a break. It's just like immediately he's on another planet. Uh, we have to go to Asgard and have a big fight, like, right now. Now, 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 let's go. In fairness, Scourge gets confronted by Hela. Yes. And that's just as extreme. But Scourge does have some downtime to think about what's happening. Yes, but he's never more than 15 feet away from her. That's true. Like, you want to talk about somebody who's constantly within the presence of a power that will definitely kill them if they do the right thing? That's Scourge. And Scourge, like I said, is not a sympathetic character in this sense. He is the good little Nazi. But as much as we want to identify with Banner more because he's been through trauma and he's a much better person in most situations than Scourge is, I think that a big part of his character arc in this movie is learning to deal with the idea of self-sacrifice when he's not being shielded by the Hulk, when the Hulk itself is a possible danger to him. I think you probably could have cut Banner out of this movie. Uh, I would have liked it more if he had just been the Hulk the whole time. I think he could have saved that for the Infinity War. Yeah, that would have been fine. Though the last joke with Banner in the movie is arguably my favorite joke involving the character. We'll get to that. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, he brings up the idea like, oh, if if I turn again, Banner might not come back. Then they just kind of drop that for the rest of the movie. And no, Thor's like, I don't give a shit. (laughs) Well, I have things to take care of and people to save. And you're good. You're my friend, but you're also one person. Cameron. What? That is Thor's perspective. About me, possibly. (sighs) Am I Thor? No, you're Banner. Wouldn't you be a little conflicted in that moment about whether to turn or not? I would be super conflicted because his relationship with Banner is very different. With Hulk is very different, but I don't think I would actually have the same relationship with Hulk that Banner does. You think you might learn sooner to see Hulk as yourself? Yeah, at least I would hope so. I think that I'm a lot more genre savvy than Banner is. Bruce Banner needs a lot of therapy. Yeah, he does. And the other part of it is that like, his inability to self-examine is also one of the themes of his character. It's mm-hmm. like... It's like, uh, it's just because you're some kind of uh, universally significant genius doesn't mean you're a smart guy. Yeah, it's weird because his arc up to through his movie and the Avengers is, oh, I, I got to learn to control the Hulk. And he does. He succeeds, yeah. but then he loses that. And now he yeah. has to learn to have a different relationship with the Hulk. Because the Hulk is essentially growing as a person. Yes. Being very literal about treating the Hulk as Banner's inner child. Mm-hmm. Which is fine, but you gotta let your inner child out. Yeah, I, 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 I empathize with Banner being afraid to let the Hulk out. That makes perfect sense. But I also think he was at least a little bit morally in the wrong. But he does redeem himself really hard. 
So the Grandmaster orders Valkyrie and Loki to find Thor and the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they have some argument. I don't really remember it. But it ends with Loki looking into Valkyrie's mind. And there's a flashback to her fighting Hela. And all the Valkyries are killed by Hela except her because she's saved by her girlfriend. Yes. There, there is a cut scene that involves her Valkyrie getting out of uh, that character's bed. They should have left that in. They should have left they should have left that in. I mean, uh, Monica read that scene uh, of her girlfriend protecting her as being uh, very romantically coded regardless. Mm-hmm. But they should have made that more explicit. Yeah, she she's definitely still broken up about it. She mentions earlier, I only survived that battle because... Never mind. Silence. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, that's a really good sequence. And it's also good when she beats the shit out of Loki for uh-huh. imp- Loki. impugning on her mind like that. Loki's gonna get more shit beaten out of him throughout this movie, which is something because we're we're at like the two thirds point now, and his his beatdowns do not stop. <laughs> yeah. So she ties up Loki, and she finds Thor and takes him to him. And Loki's like, "Okay, I'll join you." And and everyone is like, "No, that's terrible." All three of them are like, "This is not a good idea. We shouldn't do that." Banner especially because he's already still in freak out mode. And he's Loki. He's just immediately like looking at Thor and looking back at Loki. Like, is this okay? Do we know what this? That we've we've gone over this before, right? <laughs> and Thor's like, yeah, we've got we've gone over it before. It's another little reminder that yes, Loki did invade Earth. He is a convicted war criminal. And Banner, in particular, has a lot of reasons to be afraid of Loki because Loki has manipulated him in the form of the Hulk before. Yep. And uh, then Thor and Banner and Valkyrie all have a very high-level conversation about the mechanics behind wormholes, and Loki looks very confused. Thor, uh, Valkyrie and Banner have a couple of interactions. We're like, hey, I feel like I know you because like the Hulk I know and the Valkyrie were so weird. Like they're good buddies. And Thor tells a story about how, as a child, he really liked snakes. Well, then Loki puts a, a snake in his boot or something, and then he didn't like snakes. <laughs> Oh, come on. You can tell the real version of I don't that. remember the real version. Okay. So, Loki knows that he really likes snakes. And Thor... So, because Thor likes snakes, Loki transforms himself into a big serpent. And Thor sees it, and he picks up the snake to admire it. And then the snake turns into Loki and goes, Boo! And then <laughs> oh, Loki yeah. stabs him. Yeah, that was a completely improvised story from Chris Was it? God. That was another you scene could... where... It felt like the other actors were struggling to hold it in. Because <laughs> you, you, it, it's played so perfectly by Hiddleston in that spot. Because it looks like Loki going, oh yeah, that's some good shit. But Hiddleston's really going, what the fuck? And even just the image of a little Thor picking up a snake so he could admire it is so funny. It's like, he ha- he's this completely guileless person who has no reason to be afraid of snakes. Why would he be, free- be afraid of snakes? And then Loki goes, boo, and then he stabs him. <laughs> oh, Loki, Loki sucks. Fuck you Loki. get the impression that uh, Hemsworth had a lot of uh, banter conversations with Watiti because that joke feels like something Korg would have said. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Loki sucks. Right, so Loki helps him steal one of the ships. Yeah. And they recruit Korg and his uh, insect knife, Buddy Meek, yep. who is, who's the Pokemon Sizor. Yep. Uh, and then Loki tries... Oh, no, no, no. They have a conversation on the elevator. Yep. And, 
uh, Taika Waititi had an interview where he explained this is one of the only scenes in the movie where there is no ad-libbing. It's, this is completely on script. Huh. Well, I mean, it, it it is in a lot of ways the most carefully constructed scene in the movie. Definitely. There's there's a lot going on here uh, where, well, this basically the gist of the scene is that Thor has gotten over Loki. Like wow. there's there's lots of stuff in the movies where there's there's hints of a of a good brotherly past where they were good brothers overall, even with the snake stuff sometimes. Yeah. Uh and but then Loki turned evil and Thor kept trying to redeem him. And at one yeah. point Thor even threatened to kill him if he betrayed them again. But at this point he's just done. You know, they've they've each gone their separate ways. After this one last uh team up, Loki can do whatever he wants and Thor's not gonna bother him. Unless, you know, it involves him. Right. It's like, it, it It almost feels wrong to say that Thor's given up on him. But in a sense, he has. It's saying, listen, I'm not going to change you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to stop trying. If you want to change, that has to come from you, not from me. And Loki is is clearly affected by this little speech. It actually hurts his feelings. Yeah. That maybe, maybe he does care about his brother caring about him and trying to change him. And after the uh, the get help scene, Taika Waititi notes that Thor and Loki have switched positions in the framing of the scene. Hmm. Almost as if there's a, some kind of emotional switch in the relationship. Oh. But then uh, Loki betrays Thor by trying to shock him by doing an illusion and sneaking off to get the ship by himself. But then Thor has planted a little uh, shocky neck thing on his neck and... Loki gets shocked, and he's seizing on the ground, and Thor's laughing at him like, Ha ha ha, you thought you could trick me again? You always do the same tricks. I have matured, and you have not. That's the scene. That's what it says. Yep. That is true, though, because it's like, if you look at those three Thor movies all lined up, I don't know how the, well, the Avengers movies fit in. If you take those three Thor movies all lined up, Thor does grow over time, and Loki genuinely does not. Oh. In fact, I would say that Thor 2 actually ends with Loki regressing really hard. Yep. As you can clearly see in the beginning of this movie, like, he accomplishes his goal of becoming king, and then he just lazes around for four years. He does nothing with it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. What a piece of shit. Fuck Loki. Fuck Loki. Yo, Loki? Fuck Loki. Fuck Loki. Uh, and then Thor and Valkyrie and Bruce Banner get on the ship. They have some fights, some space fights with Topaz. Topaz has the most nothing death in the entire movie, <laughs> and that's part of what makes her great. Yep. She's just like, poof, there she goes. Uh, B- Banner Banner pilots a ship because he's a smart man. I think he, he kills a couple men. I think he probably does. And they go to the big wormhole that is the devil's anus. The devil's anus. After Thor has a little talk with Heimdall, because he can do that, I guess. Yeah, Heimdall just has, like, interdimensional conversational powers. Sure. I guess. Why not? Previously, I thought his sight was limited to the nine realms of Yggdrasil, but I guess he can just see the whole universe. Anywhere he looks, he can see it. Uh Uh-huh. That's pretty cool. So yeah, they escape to Asgard. They escape to Asgard, and then the movie starts coming back together. Uh Uh-huh. And as they're escaping, uh... Loki's found by Korg, who is leading the insurrection, which will bring down the Grand Master. Mm-hmm. And Korg is like, hey, you seem to be held down by those shock things that we don't like. Would you like to get out of here? And Loki is like, yes, please. And it is implied heavily that Loki intends to trick Korg and the other peoples. That's what he does. He is 
the god of mischief. Yes. What happens? What's the first thing that happens when Thor gets? Is just him waiting in the throne room? Yeah. That's a good. It's so good. He's waiting in the throne room, sitting on the throne, holding Gungir, the staff of Odin. Holding his father's scepter because he knows that Hela can feel the throne being sat upon. Yeah, he's he's just uh, tapping it against the ground and Hela can hear it from like miles away. And she is about to murder a whole bunch of people when she hears that. And she decides that somebody sitting in her chair is a lot more important than putting down this insurrection that is doomed to fail. Yep. So off she goes. And she and Thor have a big fight. And they also have a cool conversation. Yeah, they have a conversation. Thor says, Thor admits that technically she does have the claim to the throne, but she can't be the queen because she's the worst. Just the worst. And And Hela... That's that's fair. Yeah, and Hela reminds him that all of Asgard was built on lies. Where do you think this gold came from? I am the true heir of Odin because I represent his true self. That's a good line. Yeah. The gold especially. So you can see this as like the battle for Asgard's soul. The two heirs of Odin representing the bad side of Odin and the less bad side of Odin. Or rather, the seeds that Odin planted to grow apart from himself. What Odin wanted to become. Yeah, there we go. My dog is... Can you hear that? Is that showing? Yeah, I can. Okay. Um, Yeah, they have a bit of fight and Hela cuts out his fucking eye. Oh, she super does. It's a cool fight, though, because Thor is still, like... He's established in this movie as being really martially trained. Like, mm-hmm. he's not just a big goofus who swings around a hammer. He can fight like fucking crazy. Yeah. He impales her through the chest, like, three separate times in this fight. Yeah, but he's he's very much losing. Oh, yeah. It's not it's even just close, w- really. She's basically... She's effectively invincible because any wound that he inflicts on her just closes instantly or doesn't even happen and when she hits him it's a nightmare yeah which is cool it's pretty cool she cuts out his fucking eye yeah that was a surprising moment i did not expect that to happen and i really didn't expect it to last for the entire rest of the movie yeah it's gonna last into the infinity war he only has one eye that's pretty cool is it the opposite eye I think it's the opposite eye. I think they okay, do that's the big boss solid snake. They should do it. That's good. They should definitely keep his eye the opposite from his eye. Um, meanwhile, Loki and Korg and their big ship show up and Loki announces, Your savior has arrived. I think you might be skipping ahead a little bit, but yeah, that's the basics. Yeah, this is after Heimdall tries to lead everyone to the Bifrost Bridge so he can teleport them out of there. And then, uh... All the undead start showing up and fighting, and Heimdall's holding them off, and Valkyrie's over there. Fenris, and... is, Fenris the wolf is there. Fenrir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, they, do they call him Fenris in this movie? I don't remember. I think it's Fenris, even though uh, there's different versions of that name. So Fenris is there, and Banner's trying to work himself up to fight, and Thor is fighting Hela, and Hela's beating him half to fucking death. And he gets punched, I guess, as hard as the Hulk punched him because he has another vision of Odin. Yeah, he's beaten basically to the brink of death. And he has... Is is this Odin speaking to him from Valhalla? Or what do you think this is? Um, Yeah, I think it probably is actually Odin speaking to him. Or else it's knowledge that he already has of himself embodied as his father. Because in spite of everything that he's learned, he still thinks of his father as the font of... Yeah, there's a good conversation here where Thor is like, I cannot win this fight. I'm not 
I'm not strong enough. She's a lot stronger than I am because I don't have my hammer. And yeah. Odin reminds him that the hammer was never the source of his strength. It just helped him to focus it. Yeah, that's that's one of the best things about the whole movie to me, and that Thor's power is not reliant on a tool of oppression. It comes from within himself. Yes, it's the hammer needed to be destroyed because the hammer has the hammer was Hela's. It has too bloody of a history. If Thor is gonna redeem the soul of Asgard, he cannot be the wielder of Mjolnir. He has to set all of that aside and be his own power. And so he wakes up and he hits. Well, the, there's another part with... to the conversation. Oh, okay, yeah. Where Thor is worried that Hela's gonna dis- destroy At. Now, how is this played out? Do they mention Ragnarok? Uh, yes, I think so. Or something. I know that the last line that is in this is Odin asking what he is the god of. Yes. Or is that... Yeah. Yeah. The They have a conversation oh, that essentially has Odin saying that Asgard is not a place. It never was. That the field in Norway that they're metaphysically standing in could be Asgard. And that to defend Asgard is not about defending the great golden palace. All that could go away. It doesn't matter. It's about the people. Mm-hmm. And then when Thor says he's not strong enough to defend the people, Odin does remind them that he is not the god of hammers. He is the god yeah. of thunder. Yeah! You are not the god of hammers is so good. I think the line is, what are you? God of hammers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he wakes up. And he wakes up and he does. And Hela's asking him, what are you the god of again? And then they do the moment from the comic book, from the Gore storyline, where Thor fires down a big fuck-off lightning bolt and zaps Hela and becomes the god of thunder, self-actualized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he blasts her so hard, it shoots her off the big Asgardian castle and slams her into the ground in the middle of a courtyard somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's such a good, it's such a good shot. Oh, it's so good. And then instead of going down after her, he goes and tries to save his people. Yes. And that's when they start playing the immigrant song again. Which they also played in the opening scene against Surtur. Right. And some people thought that maybe they shouldn't have played that twice, but I think that it using it twice really strengthens its presence in this movie. Definitely. It's so good. Goddamn. They couldn't have done anything else. Yeah, they have a big fight where Loki's killing some undead people and Hulk's fighting the wolf and Valkyrie's killing some undead people and Thor's zapping some undead people. And people are getting on the ship. They're holding the line. But Hela comes back. And she's pissed. Yeah. she She's not even particularly hurt by that very big lightning bolt. And yeah, Thor realizes that even as the God of Thunder, he is still not strong enough to defeat Hela. But there's someone else who is. Hmm. Surtur, who is destined to deliver Ragnarok to Asgard. Yeah. And to summon Surtur, Loki needs to put Surtur's crown in the eternal flame. So he needs to sneak off and go into the throne room and do that while they fight off Hela. See... One of my favorite things about Surtur is the joke about his crown, because mm-hmm. he and Thor talk past each other two or three times mm-hmm. in the opening scene of the movie, which really drives home that Surtur's a character from a different film. Yes. Because Surtur refers to his skull as his crown, because that's one of the things you could call your skull. And Thor's like, that's a crown? I thought it was like your head. And Surtur's like, you fucking stupid man, it's my crown. And he's like, okay, I'm going to take that tiara off your head. And it's like, oh, Thor. Thor has no respect for it. And he has no respect for Surtur's head because it's just his skull. Well, I kind of read that as the true form of Surtur just being fire and the bony parts being something he wears. 
Oh, that's an interesting way to take it. Okay, yeah, I'll take that. That's sure. I like the part where they're talking past each other with words. That's a good scene. Yeah, it's very important that Surger is the one who gets to kill Hela. That he's... Well, that he gets to destroy Asgard. Or you think Hela's maybe not dead? I think it's very possible Hela's not dead. But uh, we'll get back to that in a minute. One bit that we skipped over was uh, Banner, who was really scared of never getting to be Banner again, uh, deciding to turn into the Hulk Mm -hmm. to save the people from being mauled to death by a giant dog. Uh And uh, there's a scene in one of the Avengers movies where he forces, I think it's Age of Ultron, where he forces himself to transform into the Hulk by jumping out of an airplane. That's that's the very first The Incredible Hulk 2008 movie. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, that's the ending of that movie. Okay, so he uses that adrenaline to force himself to become the Hulk. Mm -hmm. And uh, he tries to do it again in this movie to be a super cool guy. And it's set up to be like, oh, this is going to be the coolest shot in the whole thing. He's going to hit the ground and make a big roar and he's going to fight the dog. And then when he hits the ground, he's still Banner. Mm -hmm. And he just hits it and he's a boneless heap on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) And the dog is like, what? What the fuck? And then it just walks past him. And I'm going to be real with you, Crystal. I think Banner's dead. Oh, okay. Hulk came out because Banner fucking died. Okay. Yep. So Hulk materialized out of Banner's corpse? He, like, Banner hit the ground at like 200 miles an hour. Yeah? He's not coming back. No, you're right, but what what does that mean for the Avengers? The last spark of his life basically went over to getting the Hulk to come out. What does that mean for the Avengers? No more Brutes Banner. So what happens if Hulk calms down? Uh, Or if he sees a video of Natasha Romanoff? Nothing. He'll still be the Hulk. Okay. No more Banner. Maybe we'll see Banner in the Soul Gem. Maybe. Anyway, I thought that was... I I think it's probably not meant to be read that Banner is a corpse. But boy, he looks dead as shit when he hits the ground. That would be interesting if Banner was just dead. They just no-sell how cool the Hulk is supposed to be in that landing, and it is, to me, one of the best jokes in the entire movie. And Scourge holds the line, like Yeller Bell. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, he's, he, he's, he disguises himself as a refugee to flee, because he's caught between Hela's forces and Thor and his allies, and no matter what he does, he's going to get killed. Yep. So he pretends to be an Asgardian refugee and hides himself in the most profound and last act of cowardice of anyone in the entire movie. Yep. Because he knows if he shows his face, they might not let him on the ship. And they shouldn't, really. Yeah. But But uh, then he gets his assault rifles and he shoots the zombies so that the last people can get on the ship. He does. He shoots the zombies with assault rifles. And then he, like, hits them with the assault rifles and knocks one's head off. And it's actually a super cool scene in its own way, in spite of how goofy it is that he's in the middle of this distinctly fantasy sci-fi setting fighting with Earth weapons. Mm-hmm. He has, he has and, nicknames for them. What were they? They were like... Uh, oh God, they were like something like Dest and Royer. Yeah, something like that. And you combine them to be Destroyer. It was something that vapid, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it it's 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 such a weird scene because uh, the last stand of Scourge is something that a lot of Thor fans think of as being one of the best scenes in the comics. I've never read it, but the way this movie plays it, it's so absurd and goofy, and the kind of emotional payoff that it's supposed to have interplays so nicely with the way that it almost doesn't make sense that it robs Scourge of a lot 
of the potential gravitas that he could have. And it's like, yes, he's doing the right thing at the end, but he's still a goofy piece of shit who didn't do a single thing throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, he 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 gets the redemption moment, but the redemption moment doesn't get to be that good. Yeah. Because he doesn't deserve it being that good. Yeah, he, he gets to be a good person at the end who learns his lesson and does the right thing, but he doesn't get to be the cool guy. Mm-hmm. And then he, do, he gets... Then he squares off with Hella, and he's like, I'm going to shoot you. And Hella's like, are you fucking serious right now? <laughs> and she shoots out one of her infinite spears. That her secret power is just shooting infinite giant spears out of her fingertips. Uh-huh. And uh, he gets impaled through the chest, and there's nobody going like, no, scourge, or anything like that. He just fucking dies. Are there are there reaction shots from the ship? I have to think. like In any other movie, I would have said yes. But in this movie, I actually don't think there are. Yeah, I don't think there were either. Yeah, there's definitely no... There's no slow-motion scourge falling to the ground. Oh, how tragic. Yeah. He just dies. It's like, he's treated with exactly the same gravity that the Warriors 3 were treated with. Yes. Which ultimately is very appropriate. Uh, so then uh, Loki uh, steals a Tesseract on the way to summoning Surtur. Yep. And then Surtur's summoned. Surtur is summoned as hell. He's, and... he's very big. He's very made of fire. And he's very much fucking up Asgard. He is just, like, being there. Like, there's a shot from one of the earliest trailers that implies very heavily that Hela creates this blast wave that just destroys half of Asgard. Mm -hmm. And that's not Hela. It turns out that's Surtur. Yep. And uh, this is another part, uh, one of my favorite parts of the movie, because Thor's like, okay, this has to happen. We just have to let it happen and make sure that, and as he's saying that, Hulk is just screaming across the background, <laughs> flying towards Surtur, because he was brought here with the assumption that he would have to fight a big monster. Big and monster. He hit, and he hits Surtur, and Surtur's like, are you fucking serious right now? A lot of villains seem to have this reaction to good guys trying to hurt them in this movie. <laughs> and he plucks Hulk off of his head like a giant bug and sort of flicks him away all the way back to Thor. And Thor's like, please, for one time in your life, don't smash. And Hulk's like, but big monster! Let, let, that... let, let Hulk kill Surtur. No. 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 I, well, can he do it after Surtur kills Asgard? I Actually, I don't know if he can. Mm, he's the strongest there is. I, I think Surtur may definitively be stronger than Hulk is. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Hela... I think Hela just, like, stops fighting Thor at all as soon as Surtur shows up. She's like, okay, fun time is over. It's time to get to work. And, I mean, she has every reason to assume, being that she's very easily won every fight so far, that she could potentially handle Surtur. But she can't. She comes at him with these giant spears the size of skyscrapers. And she actually manages to impale him on three or four of them. And Surtur just looks down at her and he's like, "Uh uh-uh. You fucked up now. And he brings down his sword. And in the single best shot of the entire movie, you see Hela, like, she's in the middle of the frame, but she's very small because of the scale of the shot. And then Surtur's sword just comes down and blots her out completely. And it just fills up most of the shot. And it's just keeps... Just keeps coming down. Because it's so fucking big. And the scale of Surtur's vengeance is really difficult to convey unless you can see it. And it's also really good because she probably had a lot to do with the conquest of Muscle. Yeah, they probably knew each other. 
Yeah, they've, they've probably fought in the past. This is the culmination of an ancient 8,000-year feud. Not just a feud, I don't think. Feud yeah. implies a certain back and forth that yes, may not no, have you're existed. Right, you're right. This, like, this has come up. And, yes. And since Odin's dead, she, as the other conqueror, has to take the full weight of righteous vengeance. As the heir of Odin, she continues that Odin's work. She chooses to be the heir of that Odin. Mm -hmm. And Surtur's fine with that. Yep. And everybody escapes on the ship. I guess Thor decides, well, if Hela can't kill him, we don't have to worry about it. Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. And they watch Asgard being destroyed from space. Yep. And Kor gives a little speech about how it's messed up, but the foundations are strong. We can rebuild it, and it will be a home for all the refugees of the universe. But then it, it just blows up completely. It's completely yeah. gone. There's nothing left. It's just atomized. Surtur has turned it into a sun, basically. He has he has used the bide move from Pokemon and absorbed oh. all the damage that Asgard has inflicted upon his world and others. And then uh, brought it all back in one fell swoop. Okay, sure. Why not? You think Surtur survived the blast? Yes. Maybe. Mm. Yeah, I, I can see him maybe just... just Blowing himself up like Vegeta. Yeah. If he died, that would also be very appropriate. Because in spite of everything, Surtur's also... He's righteous, but he's not a nice guy. Yep. But he's totally righteous. But he is willing to kill innocent people. But he has reason. So it's fine. Surtur's uh, one of the better characters in this movie. In spite of the fact that he has the fewest spoken lines of any named character. He is also voiced by Taika Waititi. Really? Yes. Wow! I didn't know that. He, he can That's do the cool. deep evil voice, too. Well, that's really cool. I did not know that. Wow. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And then also, uh, Meek is dead. Oh, but no, he's not. Oh, I was so upset when Korg said that he had stepped on Meek and killed him. I was like, you son of a bitch, why would you do that? That's horrible. And then Meek was okay, and I was like, yeah. I shouldn't have had that kind of emotional reaction to Meek being dead, but I did. And then it Thor just says, seems so po Yeah, Meek's not even a character. No, but it was just so pointlessly cruel. <laughs> It's like, that's not a funny joke. That's sick. And then he's alive and I'm like, it's funny again. Okay. And Thor decides they're going to make a new home on Earth. And he is, he, he takes up his role as the king of Asgard. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And it's good because they've set aside all the things. They still have themselves, their people, but mm -hmm. they've set aside everything that was given to them through blood. Yes. If if there is to be a redemption for the Asgardian people, they don't get to keep the Golden Castle. Yes. This is where it starts. Yes. And everything's good. Uh, but then in the mid-credit scene, Thanos shows up. It's just fucking Thanos, and he's on a ship that's basically the size of the Death Star. Uh-huh. And it's bad. I think that, I think his face was on it. Uh, it was hard to tell. I don't know. I don't know. But it's, it like, you don't even have to see anything. You know it's just Thanos. That's, this is how some shit gets started going down. Have you seen the leaked Infinity War trailer? No. Do you want me to spoil it for you? I can, can you just, like, is there a place I can watch it? Uh, no, it's been taken down everywhere. Damn it. But basically okay, yeah. it opens with... Yeah, okay, that's, that makes sense. That's cool. Uh, and then the other post credit scene is back on Sakaar, where the Grandmaster has lost the rebellion but he's like hey you know what you did a good job let's call it a draw and it's like uh you and then they bring in the guillotine uh-huh basically or i guess they probably eat him they probably cook jeff goldblum and eat him yes because it's just jeff goldblum 
wonder if he's mm. what there's an interview where kevin feige the producer of all these movies expressed interest in seeing the collector and the grandmaster meet up in the future film and they can't do that if he's meat did the collector survive guardians of the galaxy 2 yeah he was in the post credits he, were, he was sitting there drinking with uh cosmo the space dog and howard the duck oh okay that's fine then i hope cosmo's in infinity war yeah i hope he's the leader of the nowhere head honestly if you have to if chris if you can't renew chris pratt's uh involvement in these movies just use cosmo the space dog yeah i like cosmo he's very silly this is a good movie cameron it's a real good movie crystal it has some shit going on in it yeah i i can't believe they made asgard back they made the golden city built on blood and they made Odin, like, not just complicated, but explicitly bad. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe less bad as he aged, but still, like, you can't get away from the shit that you did. Yep. The only way he gets away from it is by dying. Yeah, there's, uh, they had this idea in the Winter Soldier too, I guess, that S.H.I.E.L.D. is so corrupt that it all has to go. Yeah. You can't, you can't try to reform it, it just has to go and you have to build something new. Yeah, that's... That, that, that is definitely a very similar idea, but I think it's played through a lot more concretely here. Yes, I agree. They go much further with it. Because it's like, you still get the impression that even though S.H.I.E.L.D. has nominally ceased to exist, a large part of its power structure is still around. Yeah, there's still the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and there's still Nick Fury and the Black Widow and everyone. But Asgard has ceased to be. Yep. No more Asgard. No more Mjolnir, and Thor only has one eye. Asgard is now a nomadic people. They are an entire people of refugees. They they they're they're not going to do any more conquering. No, they're just going to try to settle down in the field of Norway. Yep, that'll be fine. I'm sure Thor can work something out with the Norwegian government. I, I mean, he's he's a god. We don't actually know if like the Nordic pantheon is a thing in the MCU, it so is. to speak. Is it? The Thor's here. Yeah, I know that, but I mean, like, if it's, I mean, like, the Viking worship of this particular pantheon of gods may not have been a thing in the MCU. No, it is. Is it? Yes. Does that come up? Yeah, that comes up in the first movie. Oh. God, they, (laughs) they worshipped the Asgardians because they were so primitive. Oh. They didn't understand that they were just aliens. That particular bit. Uh Uh-huh. And then the agents of, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they're... Hmm. There's an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where a bunch of white supremacists get a hold of the Berserker staff. Oh. And one of the Asgardians, who is posing as a professor of North of Norse mythology, uh, helps him out. Oh. This... Hmm. I... Huh. I don't know how to interpret that. Okay. Yeah, I guess that does... Uh, that does confirm that it's a thing in there. I wish... Uh, I wish it hadn't been confirmed. Why, why not? Uh, I don't know if I like that story you just told me very much. Why not? I don't know. Uh, it sounds like something that could be mishandled very easily. Uh-huh. How how was it handled? Uh, fine. I mean, it was an early episode of S.H.I.E.L.D., so it wasn't great. Oh, all right. That's fine then, I guess. Well, regardless, a lot of cool stuff in this. Do we have anything more to say about Thor right now? I think we've covered most of the important bits. Uh, I hope that Watiti uh, returns as director in multiple Marvel movies in the future because he feels very different from everyone else. I don't think there will be a Thor for No, almost definitely not. I think they're, and if they're pretty committed to the idea of trilogies. Though, if they do the thing where Thor is replaced as the God of Thunder, that could work. What do you mean? Like Valkyrie you know. becomes Thor? Yeah, sure. Why the hell not? Sure. 
I mean, like, I would rather see uh, her as Thor than the MCU's Jane Foster. Okay, hear me out. Okay. What about Kat Denny? No. Uh, with the power of Mew Mew, I have... I'm the god of... Th- they broke Mew Mew. <laughs> they, that's true, they broke Mew. You think they're going to make a new one? A new hammer? Yeah. If they do, they're cowards. Mm, I agree. They are just... They should take this change and go with it, and that should be it. And if they try to walk back any of this shit, they are enormous creative cowards, and they shouldn't do that. I believe you. I agree with you. The okay. hammer needs to stay broke. It does. Thor being super powerful on his own? Great. The hammer being a symbol of oppression that has to be broken and left behind in the past? Great. Yeah, the last big scene with the hammer is Thor killing a bunch of Mosful Hymians, as Hela once did thousands of years ago. Yep. He just shows up to assassinate the Muspelheim leader, and he succeeds. Yeah. he. The reason is just to prevent Ragnarok, which later is presented as a justified retribution. Yep. Now, granted, at the time, he thought it was the right thing to do. And based on his knowledge, it was the right thing to do. But his perspective changed. Mm-hmm. And I think if he had the opportunity to go back, he wouldn't do it. In fact, he might be like, hey, Surtur, here's a... Mm, I'm going to get my people out first, but here's a thing. Here you go. Here you go. Yeah, sure. It would solve a lot of problems. Hmm. What? I was thinking about Odin. Uh Uh-huh. Odin, so the way I interpreted him was he basically intentionally allowed Ragnarok to happen because he thought Asgard deserved it. Hmm. Okay, yeah, that that seems a reasonable interpretation. But he could have gone back to, like, warn people and evacuate them first. Um, he could have, yeah. But But I I guess he wanted... He wanted to force Thor to step up. Yeah, that's that seems like a good read of it, I think. It's like, uh, he's... It's not even so much that he's forcing Thor to step up. It's that he's putting Thor into a situation where he becomes the leader that he has to be to save his people. Yes, and Thor will, of course, uh, only be a temporary king while he introduces a democratic system. Uh, I wouldn't get my hopes up. No, no. I mean, I'm sure that if we thought about it long and hard, we could come up with something better than pure democracy, but it would take some thinking. Um, do you think in the third Black Panther movie they're going to do a Wakandan revolution? Uh, you mean like the kind of revolution that sort of gets started in Coates' yeah. take on Black mm-hmm. Panther? Yeah. How did that uh, end? It, uh, it, it, that's a very politically complicated resolution, and I'm not going to tell you how it ends because you should read it. Mm-hmm. That's arguably the best run of comics in the past decade. Okay, I'll, I'll go read that then. Cool. It is super good. It's like my favorite comics with superheroes in them right now are Ms. Marvel, uh, Coates' Black Panther, and uh, Thor, God of Thunder, ever since Jane Foster became Thor. There's a, there's a real string of kids and, the, and kings in the MCU lately. There's Thor, there's Black Panther, and there's uh, Black Agar Boltagon. And Inhumans is a very bad show, and one of the many reasons why is that it doesn't engage with Maximus's argument even a little bit. It oh, just completely really? buys into the idea that Black Bolt is the just and righteous king. Huh. Well, I mean, there was... Uh, I cannot remember who wrote this particular arc in Humans, but I think it was illustrated by Jay Lee. Uh, 
it was like a revival of the Inhumans back in the early aughts. Mm -hmm. And that was really good. But one of the things about it is that it never pretended that Inhuman society was anything except for beyond fucked up. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a good scene. No, it's one of the most fucked up contexts to exist in in all of the Marvel uh, Marvel stuff. It's bad. It's real bad, actually. And uh, I think that I think we might be at if we're talking about the Inhumans show. I think we're at the end. Okay. Okay, Cameron. We're gonna uh, read off some questions about Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. I'm going to read off the first one. Okay. Comes from Emerald the Dog. Mm-hmm. How was it? It's a good movie. Yeah, I like... It's it's the best Thor movie. Y- yeah, I think it's uh, not just the best Thor movie. I think it probably... Cha- like, it, I think it's probably not an unpopular sentiment that the Russos make the best Marvel movies, but this one really challenged that for me. I I'm not I'm not a, I'm not part of the cult of the Russos personally myself. I wouldn't call it a cult, but I mean like What a, if I told you that Winter Soldier was the weakest Captain America movie? Uh well, that's definitely a thing that one could say. Okay, well here's 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 another question. Okay. From Hoodie Skull, the spooky dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Since Heimdall sees everything, does he also have an encyclopedic knowledge of who fucks? Uh the way i interpret heimdall's omni senses is that he can see everything but he still has to focus to really see something you know yeah and he's not going to focus on that stuff so much yeah sure he can see whatever he wants but he's not actually omniscient right uh next question Mm -hmm. from the rhetoric acrobat how weird did all the odin shit feel for you and she follows up i mean i guess for me there was a tonal whiplash and that felt like there were two Odins. The distant but loving dad and the literal imperial monster. And they didn't really mix those two impressions. Huh. How did it feel to you, Crystal? There are a lot of years between the, those two Odins. So that didn't necessarily feel out of place to me. Mm. I feel like it is not too difficult to imagine the distant but loving dad Odin as uh, an ancient conqueror of the past. Especially with the aforementioned... Uh, personality shift he kind of had in Thor 2. Yeah, it's uh, time can change a person and it might only change them just so much but they can change and how they relate to the people they love can be quite different from how they relate to everyone else. Yeah, that's also a good point. We only really see him interact with his family and Laufey that one time. Yeah, and even when with Laufey it's on behalf of the family that he loves, so... Yeah, it, it wasn't that hard to reconcile for me. Next question from Mitchell Dill. Does having a big atonement moment for a character in the space fantasy movie be shoots assault rifles like a badass register as weird at all to you? Yes, absolutely. Why? But I don't mean like weird in a sense that it's incongruent with the rest of the movie because it's completely not. I just mean that it's a weird film and that's a weird moment in this weird film and even though it is weird, it also fits with how not seriously you sort of take Scourge's character. Mm-hmm. Like, the most serious thing he does in the movie is his complicity in bad things. And his redemption for himself is very serious. He follows through on it, but it's still so goddamn doofy that we should accept a moment of redemption for this guy who was running around with this omnicidal maniac. 
and just yeah. doing what she said to do. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was weird, but appropriately so. Mm-hmm. It fit the moments. Uh, I think a lot of people wanted the full stand at Yeller Brew, but that's that's not who this guy is. Yeah, absolutely not. And if they had done that, it would have felt like way too much. Not just because shooting all them dudes is weird, though it is very weird to be shooting all them dudes, but also because the fact of giving him a redemption that also redeems him in the eyes of the viewer instead of just for himself would have been way worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, this comes from your friend Molly. Mm-hmm. How good is Thor's haircut? Uh, it's a pretty good haircut. Yeah, I, mm, I liked his long hair a lot, though. Well, yeah, it's really good, but I mean, like, the short hair also fits really well with the shape of his face. Yeah, it does. He looks real good. He Long hair is a symbol of his past, and he has to let go of his past and build a new future with a new haircut. I was just thinking that, man, you could do anything with that man's head, and it would probably look halfway decent. Chris, Chris Hemsworth? Good-looking man. Yeah, he's very pretty, and uh, it's a good haircut. It's a good change of pace. And you're definitely right in that it's a good character shift moment to get away from uh, how he saw things in the past. This comes from Cam Ryder. Oh, dear. What does it mean to be worthy of Mjolnir? And how does Ragnarok recontextualize the first movie in this respect? Particularly in regard to the other character who is worthy of Mjolnir, the Vision. Yes, the Vision was your part of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm, yeah. Because hmm. the Vision is, is portrayed as kind of a... Innocence, not the right word, but he has like this clarity to him, I guess. He's well, on the side of life. One of the things that I appreciated most in Age of Ultron, which I thought in a lot of ways wasn't as clever a movie as it needed to be, was that the scene of the Vision grabbing the hammer and picking it up and handing it to Odin was the best possible shorthand to skip past all the arguments about whether or not the Vision could be trusted. Mm-hmm. Because in Age of Ultron, the hammer acts as a moral test rather than an ethical one. Yes. And I think that in Thor Ragnarok, we can understand it not as a test to see whether or not you're a good person or if you're humble, but more to see if you are focused in a way that Mjolnir is aligned with i think that's a good way of putting it you you need a singularity of purpose to lift mjolnir and it cannot be as weird as it is it cannot be uh selfish this purpose which says something strange about hella i think because it implies that she's not being selfish in seeking out conquest she's seeking out conquest because conquest is good It's for the glory of Asgard. More than just being for the glory of Asgard, she may actually believe that people are made better by being under Asgard's purview, which is not an uncommon perspective on Imperial apologists. So why can Hela wield it but not Loki? Uh, Loki has no clarity of purpose whatsoever. That's true, absolutely. He... Yeah, no, his conquering is definitely of the more selfish variety. Yeah, he wants people to pay attention to him and think that he's super cool, and Mjolnir, as a weapon, doesn't really care about that. Hela has no... There is no sense of internal conflict within Hela. She she knows what she was put in this world to do. Yeah, she's here to beat people's asses and to take all of their stuff, and that's what she's here to do, and it's good. So in Captain America Civil War... 
the vision becomes a little bit more of an authoritarian character mm-hmm. he doesn't let she he doesn't let wanda leave the house because it's for her own good yeah that's true do you think he is still worthy of Mjolnir? uh yes absolutely why do you say that i think well it's difficult to say at this point because Mjolnir is shattered and we'll never get to test it but i don't think that the vision actually changed between those two moments that's always who the vision was and uh the real question in this one is how do you interpret steve rogers not quite being able to lift the hammer you can budget a little bit yeah like you can't lift it some people interpret that scene as being steve realizing he probably could pick up the hammer and not doing it so it doesn't fuck with thor too bad Mm, i don't i think he can't lift it yeah but he can budget he can budget so what is it that keeps him from being able to lift the hammer because talking about the quality that thor has but cap doesn't is probably the best way to understand the limitations that come with being able to wield Mjolnir. Captain America is not a king. Mm-hmm. He he is not a ruler of men. He is a soldier. Mm. Huh. He can lead. He can lead people into battle, but he's not the person who would lead a nation in the way that Thor and Odin and Hela would. We don't know about Vision so much, but I feel like he's closer to that ideal than. Than cap is i see so huh okay but if that's the case would you say that thor is kingly in his sense of self at the end of the first movie at the end of the first thor movie yeah the first thor movie hmm no i guess he mm, he's princely he's not quite at the king yet so you're saying that leadership is one of the core tenets to being able to carry mjolnir in theory yes i don't know I don't know if that quite lines up, though. Because, okay. I mean, like, Cap is leadership is all hell, but Thor doesn't seek to rule at the end of the first Thor movie. I'm not sure he's even trying to be worthy of the throne. He's just trying to be worthy of his own power. No, he certainly, he openly rejects the throne in Thor too. Yeah, and he doesn't stop being able to carry Mjolnir because of it. Is it, hmm, Crystal, what if it's just kind of inconsistent? Yeah, maybe it is that, but I don't know. What, what does... What does Thor have that Cap doesn't? What does Thor have that Cap doesn't? Because I don't think it's very much. Uh, no, I, that's it. I've got. I, I haven't got much of anything. Is it just a greater? Uh, hmm. Because Thor in Ragnarok is a pretty nice guy who would definitely offer negotiation before smashing somebody's head in. Yeah. So it's not just a willingness to skip right to the killing for the sake of whatever it is that you need to do, like Vision did when he confronted Ultron at the end. Mm -hmm. He protects humanity by wiping out his creator. That's fine. Uh, But Thor isn't that kind of person, really. He'll definitely talk to you before doing the violence. And Cap's pretty much the same way in that regard. Hmm. There is still a certain ruthlessness to Thor, once once he has decided that negotiation time is done. That's true. He does smash the ever-loving hell out of some Nifelheim citizens. Yeah. He... A good a good king mm. never seeks out war, but must always be prepared for it. Oh, yeah, the, Thor, the Odin quote, I guess. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Well, I, I think maybe you're right, and just one of the big differences is that Cap doesn't really start killing people unless he has to. Whereas if you push Thor far enough, he will just punch you over the horizon. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's is all. Is T'Challa worthy? 
T'Challa? God. A lot of the traits we've been talking about would apply to him. I hmm. I think that T'Challa would probably specifically reject Mjolnir. I agree, yeah. Yeah, so the question of whether or not T'Challa is worthy isn't really germane because, in a sense, Mjolnir isn't worthy of being carried by the Wakandan king. Mm-hmm. He has his own stuff. He has his own stuff, and he would not allow a relic of another culture to become part of the seat of Wakandan power, period. No. It's like, what do I need this fucking bullshit for? Get this out of here. Nice stick. Nice stick. Nice stick with a rock at the end. Yeah, pretty much. I've got vibranium claws. Huh. Oh, I I really want to see Black Panther. That movie looks good as hell. It looks so good. Uh, And as much as I think that... uh, Infinity War is going to be a good movie. I am so much more excited for Black Panther based on the trailers. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should I should probably mention that I completely bleeped out your description of the uh, leaked trailer for Infinity War. Oh, why is that? Because I thought that it wouldn't... Uh, I didn't think they would have the trailer out before we got the episode up. Oh yeah, the trailer's out. Yeah, the tra- it, it's Loki's face is a lot clearer. It really is. He looks more distressed as if he is bargaining with Thanos rather than just delivering the Tesseract to him. Yeah, I don't think Loki's the kind of person that you can have as an actual lackey because he's the kind of character that will always stab you in the back. I meant to say that he was being noble, like, just take it and go and do not attack my people. Yeah, I I think that would be a good turn for his character. And if he does that, I think there's also a very real chance that he's going to be killed. Hmm... Yeah, he might die. Yeah. Is Thor going to die? Oh, I hope not. That wouldn't be very good. What if they just kill all the Asgardians? Oh, that would be real bad. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. That would be real bad after we just got this really nice movie about them. Yeah. Well, Well, that's what he's going to kill half the people. No, that's that's not going to... Hey, what if Hela is death in the MCU? Yeah, people were thinking that. I don't know that that's going to be the case anymore. Yeah. It would still be pretty cool, though. I don't know if there's even going to be a Death bring, character. Bring or if back, he's just going to worship Death abstractly. Bring back Kate Blanchett. That's what yeah, I want. What if, what if you brought back Kate Blanchett? Yeah, that's all it takes. But, yeah, you're, you're right that... Well, I would go even further and say it's possible that Death will have nothing to do with his motivations at all, either in the abstract or in the concrete. But they had that line in the first movie. Well, it's the line in the first movie. To challenge them would be to court Death. And then Thanos turns and smiles. I see. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to end up meaning anything, but we'll see. We'll see. Oh, uh, I also noticed that you left that big-ass Life is Strange spoiler in the Majora's ass Mask episode. Wait, where? In the Majora's Mask episode. What was the Life is Strange spoiler? The Life is Strange spoiler where you make that choice with the terminal illness. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's it. You want me to edit that out? I mean, I, I just noticed it was in there. And I edited out the spoiler from the trailer before I listened to the Majora's Mask episode. So I was like, oh, Crystal and I have different priorities about this shit. Yeah, no, leave, leave the spoilers in. Never. It's much funnier to bleep them out. Okay. But that'll be um, one of the fingerprints that distinguishes your editing from my editing. Mm-hmm. Let's see what other clips we have. Hey, is Uyghur, is Uyghur still a real thing? That's a question for me. Did Odin, Odin make it up? Oh, God. Okay, can you give some context for Yggdrasil for these so movies? The the nine realms, the nine realms are the nine realms of 
Yggdrasil, the world tree, mm-hmm. as Thor explains to Jane Foster in the first movie. And Yggdrasil is portrayed as like a big space cloud nebula thing. And the nine worlds exist connected by the branches of this magic space nebula. Okay. Is is, is it expanded on? In, why do I feel like it was in Thor 2? It wasn't Thor 2 because that introduces the concept of the convergence, that Midgard is the center of the Nine Realms, and every 5,000 years they align perfectly so that magic portals open up in the sky. Okay, well if you mean like, is the nebula Yggdrasil real? I don't know. But like, if all Nine Realms line up and it's easy to travel between them during this alignment, then I think that probably it's real at least conceptually. The the convergence existed before Odin's time, in his father Bor's time, at right. least. But did the conquering begin with Odin, or was he following in the footsteps of his father? The conquering of it? Um, yeah. Shit, I'm not sure. Did Bor do some conquering? I mean, Odin didn't come of gentle stock, at least I don't think. I should think not. I, I think probably he, uh... Surely he would have mentioned... Bor would have been in the fresco at some point, right? Maybe. Wait, remind me what the deal is with Odin and Bor, because I feel like it's one of those patricide things, but I can't remember. I don't think he killed Bor. I think Bor was just the king 5,000 years ago, and then he died, and Odin became king. No, I mean in the mythology. Oh, in the real. The real, yes. The real Bor that exactly existed. Yes. Uh, God, I don't know Norse mythology. Oh, okay. Well, never mind then. It's not that important. But, uh, no, I don't think that Bor was the big conqueror. What did Bor even do in these movies? He was in the flashback at the opening of Thor 2, where he was fighting the Dark Elves and preventing them from using the Aether to destroy the universe. I see. So even back then, Asgard uh, considered itself a world of protectors, but not necessarily uh, being the kings of the nine realms i thought you were literally going to call them world police mm-hmm. make that very good south park movie well i mean that was wasn't that based on a popular turn of phrase from the early aughts yes yeah that's true because i mean like that 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 bit of pop culture did definitely predate the puppet movie mm-hmm. the, the popularized it yeah i guess so sort of if you like puppets and- yeah i'm just i'm always very suspicious of any time a kingdom is like, oh, it was just always this way. Been like this since the dawn of time. The Nine Realms of Yggdrasil. I see. So would you similarly be uh, suspicious of the description of it that's given in the mythology? And what is that? Well, I mean, uh, if I remember, Yggdrasil grows out of the hoarfrost that forms when the original source of cold and the original source of heat meet in the center of the chaos and the realms literally grow from the tree if i remember like the world exists on an actual cosmic tree yes and if i remember the aesir and the vanir rule over it not because of any particular provenance but just because they're the biggest badasses sure that was much more honest than mythology yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. I, mm, Hela's line about Odin stopped at nine worlds. Why? Why did he do that? We could have conquered more. I can see Odin believing that, oh, the Asgardians have been protecting the nine realms of Yggdrasil for so long. We are basically owed it. They should pay us tribute. Let's conquer them. Yep. 
I could see that. Or thinking, but of, not wanting to go farther than that because he does not have a a national mythology to justify it. I guess he has no moral drive supported by the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And maybe, or it could just be that by the time he got to the end of it, he was blood glutted and he got sick of it because conquering worlds is very long work. So did he make up the idea of Yggdrasil, or is it real? I think it's real. At least conceptually it's real, because the worlds are plainly connected. Okay. That's all the questions we have, Cameron. All right. I'm glad that we got to the end of the question segment. Crystal, where can we find you on the internet? Well, you can find me at Arcane Crystal at, uh, at, on Twitter and on AudioEntropy.com, where I'm on the Let's Plays podcast. Really? The podcast where we objectively rank every video game according to quality. And you can find you can find me at Cam Ryder on Twitter, but I don't recommend it. Hey, Cameron. Yeah, Crystal. What is your favorite AudioEntropy.com show? My favorite AudioEntropy.com show, probably this one. Yeah, but what's one that you're not on? Because this is the only one where I get to talk to my good buddy Crystal about Zelda and sometimes things that aren't Zelda. Oh. Yeah. Do you, Do you like Homestuck? Homestuck's pretty good. We have th- we have three Homestuck podcasts. That's a lot of fucking Homestuck podcasts. Uh, how about Power Rangers? Power Rangers was a lot f- of fun when I was a wee child. Yeah, we have a Power Rangers podcast it's called Teenagers Attitude. The one that I hear the most about is always uh, totally reprised. Yeah, totally reprised. That's the show about the totally spies uh, series of French anime. Yeah, French anime, the purest anime. And there's lots of other podcasts at AudioEntropy.com. It's really an expansive network of podcasts. Hey, Cameron. Yeah? Why did Thor's muscles work? I'm sorry. Let me start over this joke. Okay. Why did Thor's muscles hurt after working out? I don't know. Why? They were Thor. Uh, hmm. It, that, that's just another word for hurt. God damn it. Yeah. Mm, I don't know about that joke. I can think of a better one. <laughs> oh, this this is the one that's so rancid that it makes you go, huh, maybe I should actually make one up. How did Loki pass his math test? I don't know how. He used a calculator. Wow. God damn, you deserve a prize. Okay, that's the end of this podcast. Oh, please join us for the next one. Please. Please.